Blog Talk Radio. Kind of sucks, but, you know, it is what it is. Stuff happens. 
Um, so, you know, we'll talk about some other fight news. Some folks are kind of the combination of Errol Spence's tweet, quietness just in general on the Crawford and Spence side, and then Crawford Roca, Rocha, Roca, however you say it, with the, uh, you know, what's going on with the negotiations because the purse bid should have been called. We haven't uh, heard just yet anyway that, you know, the negotiations are close, so they're going to give them a debt, you know, they're going to extend the deadline. Could that mean something? Could it mean the purse bid's coming? Could it mean Rocha maybe gets some step-aside money? I don't really know. Um, And then, you know, some other fight news. I did get a lot of messages on both sides uh, with Oscar and Eddie Hearn. Uh, trading words over uh, Canelo. Here's a hint. I do side with Eddie Hearn on this one. Um, Oscar, well, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Um, Oh, yeah, Broner with Don King. (laughs) I will have just minor little bit of follow-up from the Tank Ryan Garcia stuff last week. I waited till the end, and, you know, of course, people were saying I was ducking it. I put it at the end for a reason, uh, that that I manipulated what Ryan Garcia said. And to be fair, Ryan Garcia has talked out of both sides of of his mouth when it comes to um, this weight stuff, catch weight and really the rehydration because, you know, he showed us on the scale that he's already at the rehydration um, weight a a month out, I guess even a little bit more than a month out. Uh, But then, you know, he's saying he's struggling, he's going to struggle to make weight. So to be fair, I wanted to wait to the end to do that. I wasn't ducking anything. Uh, if I ducked it, I just wouldn't do it. Sometimes you forget to you know, have segments or certain segments go long or whatever. But we will talk a little bit about that. But guess what? That's going to be later in the show. <laughs> okay. Um, but, yeah, there is other current fight news. Um, yeah, so we'll definitely get into it in the ring to start out with if this is your first time listening to the Ropa Dope Radio Podcast. Welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ropa Dope Radio. However, you don't have to go to Blog Talk or Ropa Dope and download the show directly there if you don't want to. That's cool if you do. Um, you can find, you know, this, this Ropa Dope Radio Podcast under Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, and a host of other uh, places while you're at it, why don't you head on over to the GruelingTruth.com, Eastside Boxing and Phil Boxing. And one more thing, it's time to get your TV together without the hassles of cable. Direct TV stream, stream the best entertainment and sports, starting with 75 live channels. And for a limited time, save $120 over the first year when you get any of the packages and buy the DirecTV streaming device. There's no annual contracts, no hidden fees. Plus, learn how to get premier channels included for the first three months with qualifying packages. Sign up today. That's DirecTV Stream. Okay. So, like I said, I like to start in the ring. And, you know, Gilberto Ramirez Zerto, you know, was going to fight a fight that, you know, not too many people were excited about. I mean, I understand Gabe Rosado's got to make a living. Um, at some point, will some of this stuff, you know, 
hurt them in the long run as far as taking all this punishment over all these years. That's on, you know, that's on him. If he wants to keep fighting, he feels good. It is what it is, right? But it wasn't really a fight. Yeah, Ramirez just came off of a, a, you know, a really clean loss to Bibble where he didn't really win many rounds at all. I understand you're going to come back to maybe a lesser guy just to get on the good foot, get the good vibes going and whatnot. But Zerto did not take this fight serious. I mean, holy shit. He weighed in way over. You know, right away I heard 12 pounds and I heard like nine and a half. Either way, like disgustingly over. You know, anything over three to five pounds, in my opinion, is just ridiculous. And there was talk of Jojo Diaz having a little bit of a weight issue, so they had to maneuver that way in his fight with uh, um, with uh, Hesta versus Gil Hesta. So they basically pulled the thing off the, you know, pulled the fight, the main event off the card, which obviously I thought was the right thing to do. Uh, but yeah, Jojo came in, you know, where's he at mentally at this point? Doesn't seem to be in a good spot, obviously. I mean, that's not any kind of, like, stretch. Um, we know some of the uh, the child endangerment, you know, charge that he got. Um, and then not long after, he posted the video of him and his kid, and he's saying, why don't you want to see mom? And he said, I don't want to see mom right now. You know, it, it was just a weird – it was weird, dude. It was really fucking weird. And not only that, but he does have some – some past stuff as far as sending uh, quote-unquote inappropriate uh, photos, images, uh, you know, to a a minor. Um, But it sounded like uh, finally some of the news came out that he got a drinking and driving. He got a drinking and driving charge. I think it was in February, if I remember correctly. So, you know, within, what, two months? You know, somewhere in that. So was that during camp? Did he, was he already in camp? Was it before camp? I don't know. But, you know, JoJo is a fairly, like, on the surface. Well, I shouldn't even say on the surface. But, you know, for quite some time he's shown us that he does have skills. He's not this, you know, um, come forward, just brawling type guy. Um, but we're seeing more and more that that's how he fights. And... You know, overall, his his career, you know, has definitely taken a nosedive at this point. Uh, I think he's lost, what, his last three? And I think he's won three and one. That's right, because he had that. Basically, his last really good performance, that Fortuna fight was a good performance. And to be be fair, Devin Haney, he definitely fought really well in that. The Farmer fight, I think, is where he kind of peaked. But, um, you know, these last two, and, and Zapata's a tough guy. Hesta, you know, was kind of showing him a little bit of everything in that fight. But, yeah, man, it he just looks like shit right now. I'll say that, right? But then, it, but then again, I'm not, you know, I, I wasn't huge on the scorecards. I'll say that. There was a 98-92 that was, or a 99-91. Really? I didn't think Hesta... Um, won it that cleanly, to be honest with you. But um, I did give Hester the first round. I thought Diaz won round two and three. Uh, the fight, you could already tell, pretty 
pretty early. It was at a, you know, it was a, fought at a good pace, a lot of two-way action, a lot of back and forth. Uh, both fighters in the third round trading hooks. Um, and Hesta, you know, he did rally back with clean shots, body work, some of the uppercuts, um, and just late in that round, that third round, Diaz was landing pretty hard. So I actually had him up two to one, looked pretty good early. But the fourth and fifth, I did give, although competitive, I, I felt like, you know, although maybe in the, the fourth round, Diaz may have closed a little stronger, but I did give him to Hesta. Um, I just thought he did the better work. Now, round six was close. That could have went either way, and there were some close rounds. Uh, you saw Hesta on the move, a little bit more efficient jab, little quick combos, or a jab and a pot shot. Um Whereas Diaz only had, like, success in spots, you know. I did think, though, in the 7th, 8th, and ninth, although the ninth was really close, like I said, 7th and ninth were, were really close, I thought Diaz did enough to win at least two out of those three rounds. Um, he was a little busier, I'd say, in the 7th, but it was a, that was a close round, like I mentioned. Um, and then the combinations, you know, the – good body shot, and, he, you know, he started kind of moving a little bit. Instead of trying to come forward, you could kind of see him on the move a little bit, landing his lead right hand. Um, the right hooks to the body and more uppercuts in the ninth round from Diaz, and then I thought Hesta uh, jabbed really well, landed his left hand in, in a good action round to close the fight in the tenth round. Um, I had it pretty close, man. I would have been fine with the draw, um, six four, you know Hesta. That'd have been that'd have been okay. Five four one, whatever you want to say. But there was one scored hat, scorecard that had it ninety seven ninety three for Diaz. But like I said, the ninety eight ninety two. So you're really only saying that that Diaz won two rounds, and then one round the other way. Nine, that those were ridiculous. I mean, uh, there's just no way other to look at it. You know, in my opinion. I thought that was pretty ridiculous. Um, now, Hesta fought really well. He looked good throughout the fight. I'm not trying to dump on him or anything like that. Um, and it's a big win for him. So, you know, shots out to Hesta. But um, you could just tell Diaz didn't really take this fight that serious. And, and he was just going to basically try to manhandle him, try to brood him out of there, you know, trying to you know, not use a lot of his skills. I did think, you know, down the, the stretch of the last three out of four, I thought he was kind of showing more the, the JoJo Diaz Jr. that, that we know. Um, but good win, though. You know, definitely a good win. We also had uh, Oscar, uh, what was it, Dorte against Alex Martin. Um, first couple of rounds, I had, I had Oscar up two to one. Um, Martin was, was moving on the outside and kind of pot shotting at times. Oscar was cutting off the rings, ring, excuse me, not just, not plural there. At times he was, but other times he was following those left hooks and multiple right hands were enough to kind of, you know, two to one. Fairly competitive fourth and fifth round, especially the fifth round. I thought the better shots were Oscar to the body and head six round left hooks to the body 
huge, huge right hands. Um, and you could just, you know, he was really, in that sixth round, that Oscar, uh, is it Dorte? He, he, um, he was letting his, you know, shots off. He definitely was. Now, the seventh round was pretty close. Um, I thought Martin had a good bounce back round. Um, you know, he was kind of landing the, the two punch combinations. And then in the eighth round, a left hook to the body, flush right hand up top, drops Alex Martin. Um, and Martin looked done, to be honest with you. And there's like a follow-up right hand or two. Knocked him out. So Oscar got a nice win over, you know, a tough Alex Martin. So that was a quality, quality fight. I definitely paid attention to that one fairly close. Uh, the Eric Tudor, he, he won a decision over, uh, what was it, Cato Kane, I believe. I think that was it. Um, you know, that was, that was you know, a pretty clean win. Not a whole lot else from that card. But, yeah, JoJo, I don't know where he goes, man. I, I got to admit, I really don't know where he goes from here. I just don't. I just think that uh, – He's got to get his shit together, whether that takes him going away or whether that means, you know, he's going to go right back in the camp. I don't know, but he's got to take himself serious because the guy who I mentioned against Farmer, even plenty of moments against Devin Haney, the guy who looked really good against Gary Russell Jr. considering, more in the second half of that fight, but um, that was Russell who had a good performance in that fight too, so it wasn't like a Russell, who was all hurt like it was against Mike Sayo. So, I don't know, man. But like I said, credit goes to Hesta. He did his thing. I just didn't think he did his thing. Um, What else did we go? Oh, Pro Box. Was it Pro Box? Yeah, I think Pro Box. Yeah, Pro Box TV um, picked up the Brown, Brown Miller and also had that Asborov, Asborov in Glatton. And that was that was a shitty that was a bullshit scorecard there for Clatton. That that you could say that's two in a row. But um let's start with the Brown Miller. Really slow like the first round was slow as hell. Not much happening. Um second round picked up though. And you know, Brown that won that round. Um, the last minute or so, you did have uh, Miller land uh, some hooks, and he was featuring a lot of head movement. But a few uppercuts, looping shots to the head and body. Both of them were kind of looping hooks as well. But I did give uh, Brown the second. And then, I don't know, did I give him, let me see here. There was some good action. Maybe the fifth, I don't know. But I, I pretty much had uh, Miller going away with the fight after. Um, they were exchanging maybe in the first minute or so. Good body shots by Miller. Um, more hooks, more uppercuts. Um, just overall landing the better shot. Um, and then that upper body movement up close with counter hooks, he definitely did that in the fourth round. Um, Brown, you know, had like a flurry the last in the last minute sometime. You know, he, he landed plenty of right hands to go along with the hooks. But I'd say the last 30 or 40 seconds, excuse me, 30 or 40 seconds, um, these guys really started exchanging. And it was definitely Big Baby Miller who was 
really big. <laughs> um, he definitely got the better of the two when it came to those exchanges. Now, I thought the fifth round was pretty close. Could have went either way. Um, in the start and kind of overall, you might say Brown, you know, landed better. Um, and, and I got to say also, Miller kind of looked like he was taking um, the round off, most of the round off. Maybe it was because he had had success in the last two and was letting his hands go more. But I will say maybe the last 15, 20 seconds, he probably stole the round with multiple heavy shots, did Miller, but it could have it went either way. And then like a little over a minute left uh, in the sixth round, several flush right hands resulted in a knockdown and then uh, hooks by Miller with both hands, TKO. It was pretty much over, like, after that knockdown. Um, so Miller, you know, came out ahead in that fight. Um, I don't know. You know, he's working his way back. He's got a right to do that. You know, where does he go next? We'll see. Hopefully he just stays active. But I don't really know if I'd be like, hopefully, you know. I, I don't I don't know. I just, it is what it is. We'll, we'll see where he's at um, and see if he can, you know, compete on a higher level. Um, Jonah Carroll as well won a e- pretty, pretty easy uh, decision over uh, Miguel Mariaga. Um, I thought he... You know, he looked pretty good. He hasn't lost in a little bit. Now, he hasn't, uh, well, ever since the Mac, the Maxi Hughes, right? That was a few years ago. Um, but his best win is probably probably Andy Venice. Um, but, yeah, he, he, looked, he looked all right, you know. Maybe they'll step him up you know, a little higher on that. Um, and then, let's see, from that card. You know, I went in there today to watch some of the under, more of the undercard, and uh, excuse me, something was up. The, this is the first time that the app was giving me a little issues, so I tried to sign back in, and it wasn't like registering. Um, and, you know, my path, it just, something was fucked up. It's the first time I've had any issues with ProBox. Um, but, you know, I couldn't watch, uh, the undercard beyond the one I had already seen that Glatton in, uh, Osboras. So if there is some interesting fights, you know, message me, uh, beyond those two, I'm going to break down that other fight, but yeah, today, and I tried to send like, like have them send stuff to me on my email and it just, it just wouldn't send. And that was like well over two hours ago. I'm looking right now. I still haven't gotten a message back from them, so I'm not sure what exactly happened there. Um, but yeah, Brandon Glatton, I thought got fucked over. I really did. Um, the first round, you know, pretty pretty slow round, fairly slow. Glatton, you know, did enough, uh, a couple of decent lands to, to close the round. Won the round, I thought. Very close round in the second. I gave that to Asbarov. Is it Asbarov? Um, then not much happening in the third um, for a bit of it. Then there, I'd say the last minute or, or so, there, there was some good action. 
Glatton trapped Asparov on the ropes. That's something he did a lot. You know, landing hooks to the to the head and body. I gave Matt the fourth round, really close. You saw Asparov uh, move a little bit more, um, throw throw his hand some more. Not at you know, like I said, moving where he wasn't as much on the ropes. Um, he was throwing a lot. Not a whole lot of them were clean. Actually, by both in that round. So maybe it's 2-2 after that. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But then I, I really felt like Glatton took over this fight. Um, hooks to the body, those little short cut uppercuts on the inside. That was the fifth round. Sixth, sixth round was two-way round, no doubt. But the better shots by Glatton, once again, early, pretty early and often, and too much, uh, As Asbaroff was on the ropes again. So that didn't help him. Um, yeah, and the uppercuts, more uppercuts, more hooks to the head and body, you know, in the seventh round. Eighth and ninth, I just thought he was pretty much overwhelming him with shots. Um, just completely in control, I thought uh, Brandon Glatton was. I really did. I thought he was in control. I didn't see, like, there was going to be an issue with, I mean, you never know with the cards. But then you see, now, one was a draw. Okay, <laughs> um, only a 10-round fight, so could you give him five? Fuck no, but, you know, if you give him three, I- I'd say you can give him three tops. The second, the fourth, and then let's just throw in something in there. You know, I don't fucking know, but um, then 98, 92, and 97, 93, I just, I thought that was on the bullshit. I-, I thought that was really bad. I mean, really bad. That that was bullshit, in my opinion, anyway. Um, so... You know, uh, Glatton, kind of feel bad, or not kind of, I do feel bad for him now. That was the majority decision loss. You know, his last two, he had that David Light where you could, you know, some people thought that was a split, correct? I think that was a split. Um, uh, He actually, didn't he close? Yeah, in the 10th round, I think. Ninth or 10th, late in that round. I think it was the last round. He knocked him down, too. So it's, Glatton's getting screwed, man. Um, Especially in this one, I mean, this one was fucking ridiculous. In my opinion, like I said, maybe people disagree with me. That's cool. But, yeah, I, I see, um, I don't know, man. It was it was pretty bullshit. I mean, the, those scorecards are bad. I, I think it draws bad, personally. But at least it's a fucking draw, you know? And you can, you know, not take the L. But uh, I like Latin. He's a good fighter. Duty beat, I thought. Not not so much. Um, we did have that zone card with uh, Cyrus Pattinson and Chris Jenkins. That was a good fight. That was a good fight. I watched uh, the sound and shit was a little funky on that. Even on the because re- I didn't watch it live. I watched the uh, the archive. And uh, the, yeah, the, I actually just started to turn the, the sound off because. It was fucking me up because you're like, big right hand, and the right hand, you know, hadn't even landed yet. Um, but that, uh, um, Dagarez, was that? Yeah, Dagarez. That dude, his right hand, I mean, that shit, he's got a long right hand. Um, and he, early in that fight, he was loading up already. I think it was only the second round, right? TKO. Um, so that's what I got out of that fight a big ass, long right hand pause. Um, 
So he took care of business that Dakarez, I think it is, Dakarez, Dakarez. Um, And then that Patterson Jenkins, good back and forth round. That eighth round was really fun. That was, I mean, an action fight overall, but I I did really like what I saw out of, you know, in that fight. That was was a fun fight to watch. Um, Hold on. What the hell? Huh. Weird. Anyway, um, yeah, these two were getting it in. And round eight um, was the best round. It's just fun as shit to watch. That was good stuff. Uh, Patterson, he would do these little subtle angles where he'd step to the side and then unleash, you know. And I, I thought that, you know, other times he was doing that using angles. Other times he was walking down Jenkins and as the fight wore on, he definitely wore out Jenkins, and, and even though he gave a good, you know, account for himself, but Patterson really started to uh, take control of that fight. And um, whoops. And you know, I think it was a ninth round. After that great eighth round, ninth round, the corner, Jenkins corner threw in the towel, so it was a, a TKO. Uh, but yeah, fun fight. That was one of those where I thought. I did get some messages, and I just saw, you know, on my Twitter feed that people were, you know, kind of excited about that fight, and that it'd be a good action fight. And it was. Uh, Patterson, pretty good. Like I said, they were brawling, but he did these little subtle step-aside angles, but still right there to punch that I, I thought were pretty effective, man. I thought that was pretty effective. So, you know, all in all, somewhat of an interesting week, right? Not Nothing too crazy. But, um, you know, it was good. It was a good um, good weekend considering, like I said, it, it, uh, you know, it was a little uh, light on the, uh, the cushion here. Um, someone just messaged me. They just checked box rack and didn't realize uh, Zerto. Zerto was like eight, pound, eight and a half pounds over or 12 pounds over. I, I saw both reports. Either way, and it does – I remember Gabe seeing Gabe Rosario uh, put out a video saying, hey, I, I gave him – you know, I, I was like, I'll give you a little time to get down if you try to get down or whatever, but I don't know, dude. It's – that's just disappointing. And, and I could understand, like, us at home sitting on the couch, even if you work out, you're still not a professional boxer, right? But it just uh, – now, they didn't have crazy weight issues on the co-feature, but that even had a little bit of a, a weight issue. But I do have some experience, you know, as a teenager and a young person, especially in the you know, teenage years, high school years, losing weight for wrestling. And, uh, and you know, it wasn't any kind of day-in. Well, I mean, I suppose there was day-before weigh-ins once in a while for, for weekend tournaments on Saturday. Sometimes after practice, you'd weigh in. But a lot of times it'd be in the morning, either before you left or um, why, you know, before you go or why you get to the tournament. kind of matters. But, um, like, on a Thursday meet, it would be weighing in at 5 o'clock, and the shit starts at 7. And I was a light, lighter weight, so I'd start, you know, two hours, two and a half hours later. So I get it. I'm not a professional boxer, but holy shit, dude. Like, how can you be that, that far off? Like, I don't know, man. 
I mean, I know he's a big dude, but not that cruiserweight is super deep. I mean, to be fair, you know, there's light heavyweight and top heavy, but it's not that deep either, right? But, yeah, man, that was pretty disappointing. Like, that's how you're going to come back. This should be like an easy fight for you to look good and then, you know, be trying to aim, aiming for like maybe September, September, October or something, maybe even like a late summer fight. I just, that was really bad, dude. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how many fights does he have, I wonder, on that Golden Boy contract? Was this is Speaking of contracts, uh, Joseph Diaz Jr., I believe, I heard from multiple people, actually just heard from a podcast today, uh, Sunday Puncher, they talked about it too, that JoJo might be out of his Golden Boy contract. Now, you know, where is he going to go? I don't know. Um, I don't like him at 140, but that's what's crazy about JoJo and his lack of discipline because you were at featherweight, then you went to 130, then you're at 35, then, then you're having weight issues already because this isn't the first time he had weight issues. And I'm not trying to say he had Zerto issues, right, like that, but um, can he for sure make 135? His body looks soft now. Um, but at 140, dude, I don't, I don't like him at all at 140, to be honest with you. Uh, there might not be uh, what you'd say a, a, an elite, elite dude up there. Um, Tiafimo showed flashes of that. So is Taylor and Regis. And there's some talented guys up there, but tippy top, top 10 pound for pound. You know, Lopez and Taylor coming off. You know. Not a good performance, per se. Uh, Lopez, the last two. They haven't announced that fight, but it sounds like that fight's a go-to. So hopefully they rise to the occasion. But, yeah, I just don't – I don't like JoJo at those weights. So it's kind of like, you got to make 35, dude. Like, I don't know, man. We'll see if he takes it serious. Uh, I really don't know, man. And, you know, fighters are biased. So are the camps, right? Um, he was saying he felt like he only lost a round or two. That's bullshit, though. You know, I didn't think he lost his clear. That's for sure. I don't think I have a huge problem with Testa winning the fight, but I, like I said before, I didn't really see, you know, the scorecard that wide. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, so, yeah, overall, not a great weekend, right? But still, you know, we still got something out of it. Right, we still got some interesting fights. Nothing too crazy, but um, you know, some 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 good action. I thought I thought there was some good action. Um, so we do have uh, a variety of fight news to to cover. Of course, we're going to break down this uh, Benavides plant. It's funny too because like the usual suspects, not just Glacier, by the way, but the usual suspects are just out there talking about, oh, there's no buzz. You know, I've heard, I've seen multiple, you know, podcasts and, you know, Twitter accounts, the usual suspects talking about, man, I hope these tickets start selling more as if it's struggling. Because anytime they put on even a pretty good fight or a great fight, which I think this is a great lineup here, top two top five fighters. So I think it is a great fight. 
But anytime PBC puts on like a very good event or just a, a top level event, no matter what it is, pretty much um, it's gonna get ripped. Like the the tickets aren't selling time and time again. And once again, everyone's so worried about. Like I said, I, I didn't personally see a commercial during the March Madness. You know, from uh, Thursday to Sunday. Now. Will they believe, you know, maybe they are going to do that, you know, because Tank and Garcia is going to do more. There's more money there. So maybe there's more, well, there's more marketing money, I assume. So maybe they'll do it then, but we'll see. But yeah, a lot of people are already saying, oh, you know, it's just the hardcores that like this fight and, and it's not going to, you know, I don't know how it's going to do on pay-per-view. We'll see. Um, but the gate's doing well. And it just goes back to like how there's not many in America that can do events or particular fighters that could do a million dollars plus gates. There's just not that many. And as much as sometimes I get sick of talking business, it's just funny that the usual suspects are always trying to criticize, always trying to like worry about PBC fights, even when they're doing really good. Like, Name me beyond Wilder against Fury, right? Those two fights where it was, you know, PBC in, in top rank. Beyond those two fights, name me a fighter under the top rank since they've been at ESPN um, in America that has done a $2 million game. And I, don't, I won't wait that long because it just hasn't happened. You know, so to me, it's just like, so if a gate does two, two and a half, three, if you're doing two to three million at the live gate nowadays, that's a lot, that's a lot of money. That's a good ass gate, but you wouldn't even, you know, you wouldn't even think that that's the case. It's on some, and it's even former co-hosts way back in the day that are saying this, that have just gone anti-PBC out of nowhere. You know, or I shouldn't say out of nowhere, but um, the critic, you know, just so much criticism, you know, I, on a gate that's selling well. Do you expect this gate to do $10 million or something like that? Is that what you're asking for? And like I said, anything over a million is, is damn good nowadays. And if it hits two or three or three plus, there was a time when that would be celebrated. Remember Golovkin? When he would go coast to coast and, oh, he's selling tickets and it's great. And this shit used to be celebrated because it was good for the sport. Anytime you can get the, you know, the, the, the common fan, the casual fan interested and ready to put some money up or even like, quote, unquote, celebrities, ringside, you can jack those prices, you know, especially in Vegas, obviously. It's just funny. But, yeah, so far I haven't seen um, – I didn't see – I watched a fair amount of games, but I didn't see a commercial for it. <clears throat> but like I said, I don't know the budget. I don't know the marketing here. You can't on one hand say it's only a hardcore fight and then expect them to, to market it crazy all across that platform. You know, And a lot of those March Madness commercials have already been sold six months in advance. So I really don't – I don't know. I don't know if they're going to run some. 
this coming week. It starts back up Thursday night at 5.30, actually, for those who care about college basketball. It starts back up, and I'm saying 5.30 Central. So we'll see if they do it. Now, let's say Wilder Wilder and Fury, by the way, the first time they fought. Um, by the way, that was another one that people thought, oh, that won't do shit on pay-per-view when the gate will do shitty, you know, and, and it, it got ripped all the way up until, you know, fight week and then did over 300,000 and, uh, and did a healthy-ass gate. But my point being is that Saturday, the day of the fight, it was conference finals for college football. Remember, it was in December. So I remember specifically the during the SEC championship game, and I'm bringing this up because it's not like that one, especially neither had been on pay-per-view over here yet. So they had gotten, you know, exposure on network, both of them had, but they hadn't, you know, been on the pay-per-view yet. And so they didn't know if it was going to be, you know, good or not, or, or do a good number or whatever, which it did. But they did have a commercial at a really good spot in that conference final. So, you know, the boxing fan in me hopes that on, you know, Saturday during the day, because it ha- more than likely it has to be CBS, because that's the CBS, Viacom, Showtime, Paramount, right? All that shit that's one connected. Because TBS and TNT also do, you know, the fights. So, um, you know, or fights, Jesus Christ, the the tournament. So it's all spread out on cable as well. So I don't know. I'm assuming during the day on Saturday it'll be on CBS. But I don't know that to be a fact. Um, And I'm getting some messages here, so I'll check really quick. So... There's a doubleheader on TBS and a doubleheader on CBS. That's Thursday night. Friday night, same thing, TBS, CBS. And then I don't know in the Elite Eight on Saturday what, what, the, what the network is. I don't know that because it's not scheduled. So, um, like, when I look it up, I'm sure I could look it up, you know, but I'll, I'll get to it in a second. People are kind of asking that. So let's see here, because that, that plays into it, because they're not going to be able to do that shit on TBS. You know what I'm saying? So, all right, let me see. So it looks like Saturday, Elite Eight, 6 o'clock at 8.30, that will be on TBS. And then Sunday, it'll be uh, in the afternoon, in late afternoon, that's CBS. So TBS is Saturday night. So my guess is they're not going to do it on Saturday. So hopefully Thursday and Friday they're able to run a commercial. That would be nice. Uh, that's not the end-all, be-all. But it is nice, right? It is nice. So we'll see if there is enough in the budget to do that. But it, it's just funny. It just, it just It's so easy to see through this shit. You know what I mean? It's it's really funny, man. It's just stupid, <laughs> to be honest with you. And it's just, like I said, the same fucking people. And it just, it gets old, dude. It really does. But that's just how it goes, man. You gotta get, you gotta get, you know, likes and retweets and clicks and all that. And that's, that's where we're at. But yeah, this, 
this event, I don't know the exact gate or anything like that, but it's selling well. Uh, they, they like, not long after the tickets went on sale, they did open up more tickets. So it was the whole place wasn't open. They, they definitely were scaling it, but they did open it up more. So, um, you know, I've been following ticket sales for a while now, kind of gauge it, you know, fairly well. Uh, there's multiple sources that, um, you know, I, I go to sources that I go to as well, just to, make sure I'm seeing what I think I'm seeing. Um, and you can tell on the secondary market, you know, a lot of times, I mean, most of the time, most fights in Vegas, the tickets, the, the week of, and especially like the last few days, they usually drop. It's usually like the highest ticket price is when it first goes out on sale. Then you, a lot of times you'll have the secondary market. And that'll be jacked up. Um, and that usually is more anyway, but yeah, I don't know. It's it just funny. The problem is it's cool if you want to criticize or you want to break down ticket sales and all that, but they don't do it for other fucking fights. That's the problem. They don't do it for other, you know, other outlets locally, like locally meeting in America. They just, so it's just, it's just kind of funny. They'll be happy a fight's happening and this is dope, it's in New York, and this could be great in Madison Square and all that, and that's dope, and it's fun, and I hope, like, Tia Fimo, and I think that Tia Fimo and, and Taylor for sure is at least at the Hulu, at the MSG, but it goes off the Rangers and Knicks, uh, and I don't think the Knicks are going to be uh, in June basketball, so, because uh, Summer League doesn't start till July. Sorry, New York Knicks fans, sorry. Hey, I'm up here in Minnesota, so, you know, I I feel the pain as far as having, you know, not a great team. However, um, if the Rangers don't have a home game, it will be an MSG. Now, will they be eyeing the tickets like that? Probably not. Probably not. Um, but it's it's the criticism when it's not just. That's what gets me. That's what gets me. Because two or three million dollar gate. People need to shut the fuck up because that's a good-ass game. And if you're that highly critical of something like that, then why aren't you critical the other way, <laughs> right? Um, we do have, like, some other fight news. You know, the Crawford-Roca, Roca, Rocha, someone said, you know, anytime I say it one way, somebody says it's the other way. Not quite sure exactly. But, you know, um... I don't know. Like, the date has passed as far as the deadline, right, for uh, negotiations after the WBO called, you know, for, for Crawford's Mando. Um, I don't know if part of the deal is Crawford has to sign a multi-fight deal with Golden Boy, which I can understand on their side. Um, and they kind of have the leverage there because – Who's going to buy this fight? Um, I, I, I'm not saying no one would buy it, but it would make, you know, Golden Boy the zone have to put up some money for it. And, and, and then, I don't know. I mean, is someone going to put up a lot? You know, I don't know. It's tough to say because Crawford had like a really high guarantee when he was with top rank. 
and he got paid whatever he got paid would be okay. Be okay, I don't really know. Um, so, and that's another thing. Like, why would if he got paid what he said he got paid, then I would let Be okay buy that fight then. <laughs> you know, because they should be able to outbid uh, pretty easily, Golden Boy, if, if in fact that was fact. You know, that what he got up front. So. I don't know, but the whole point is it has been quiet on the Crawford front, the Spence front. It's Tuesday. We don't have any news. Is there step-aside money being worked out? Um, maybe they had notified the WBO about the, to extend the deadline because they're close on a deal. Sometimes that happens, and then we hear about it later. Um, but here's another thing. Spence, right? This is what he tweeted today or yesterday, he said, I don't apologize for the inactivity, LOL. Hopefully it'll make sense in a few weeks. So um, the response to that tweet has been pretty fucking funny in some ways. Um, I'll tweet Matt about that in the the Ramirez stuff, or the, you know, on the, uh, the Ramirez, Jesus Christ, someone just sent. Um, the the the, uh, the the boxing Twitter segment. We'll, we'll definitely talk a little bit about that. But um, yeah, man. I, so I don't know. You know what I mean? I really don't know. It, it's tough to say exactly what's up. Um, so you know, Espinosa. We talked about this before. Like he, he didn't say that. I mean, he he said he talked to Crawford. He said, you know. So they're trying to make this fight. So I don't know. Maybe they're going to both take a fight, but agree to be like, hey, it's next, and that's how they'll announce their fights, which I would be okay with. I want to go right to it, but if not, I get it, you know. But that would be some – I mean, the size of of Spence's balls, paws, I would be just crazy. If he came back after more than a year off, because it'd be well over a year. Shit, it's coming on a year in a few weeks since he fought Ugas, which he came off a long-ass break off of that one. So if he came back and just went right to Crawford, golly, that would be the shit, dude. That, I don't think it's really smart, but that would be crazy. We know he's in a lot better shape, you know, outside of uh, his fights now, outside of training camp, um, than he used to be, you know, a few years back. But, um, yeah, that'd be crazy. I wouldn't be shocked, though, if they they, they announced that they're, uh, you know, just uh, doing like a kind of like uh, Crawford and, uh, well, kind of like Fury and, and Wilder, the, the second fight where they had both had fights. Of course, that was two different fights. And kind of like what the Garcia and Tank stuff was supposed to be, where they were supposed to both take a fight before. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't really want to talk about it anymore, to be honest with you. Um, so this is BoxingScene.com. Jermel Charlo offers positive injury update uh, by the end of the summer. Uh, it looks like he's going to be back because the WBO did come out and have him, like, prove it again, what he had to do earlier, prove that, you know, 
Let's see how you're doing. Give us an update. Um, and he said, this is on uh, what podcast? Oh, The Last Stand with, with Custer, Brian Custer. Um, Jamal Charlo, this is the article, Boxing Scene, still hasn't been able to hit the heavy bag, but he's confident his injured hand, once recovered, will be sturdier than ever. So, um, of course, he broke it. He was in a cast. Uh, the hand is going well. Uh, just doing everything with rehab. I haven't been able to train. I haven't have not punched yet. Um, when you break two bones in one hand, it takes a lot to recover. The hand is really delicate. These are my money makers. It's going to be stronger than it was before. I'm doing a lot of exercise and work to make sure I'm sta- to make sure I'm stable. I don't want to get in there and shatter a hand during a fight or place myself in a position where I have another issue. Um, and then he goes on to say, I was in a cast for about six to seven weeks. I remember going back and they put me back in the cast and finally I was able to get out of the cast and do rehab, putting the weight back on. Um, still very day to day, taking time out. I'm working. I got some time, but I'll, I'll be back by the end of the summer or something. Hopefully the middle of this year, uh, could be August, could be July. So that's good news. That's really good news that, um, you know, he's uh, back. And I am hearing from more than one source that maybe the new date is August for Fulton anyway. So not the date <laughs> per se, but the date. Um, because, you know, we heard about the news that he suffered uh, an injury uh, anyway did uh, in training. Um, and that it got postponed, but um, Fulton said we got a date relaxed, still happening, calm down. So that's good. There's no like foul play or like oh shit, this isn't gonna happen now or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, there is some other news with Talk Sport. Eddie Hearn has made it clear that he wants to remake Connor Ben versus Chris Eubank Jr. next. As Eubanks Jr. rematch, Eubank, yeah, the rematch is not signed with Liam Smith, targeted for June 3rd, either in the U.S. or U.O. Okay, so the Middle East are here, um, as Ben is currently unable to fight in the U.K. You know, with the drug test thing. But you know, we've also heard plenty of you know the Pacquiao stuff. So, Shana uh, Beck is fighting Stephen Butler in a main event set for May 13th on ESPN. The venue's still uh, getting figured out. As we know, he's tried to, uh, you know, multiple times tried to get some people in there. He's kind of like, it's not really high risk, kind of low risk, low reward. So, you know, I don't know. It is what it is. By the way, UK fight fans, and actually, you know, Germany as well, I think uh, Scandinavia, Fight TV has picked up Benavidez's plan. So that is a way for you to check it out. Um, So that's cool. That's really cool. Uh, Eddie Hearn from the IFL TV, he was talking about um, the Buatzi offer for Bivol. Eddie says, uh, you know, it was 1.25 mil, but also the multi-fight extension. 
which he says is a natural industry standard thing to do. I didn't know that that was part of the offer, but I understand it because it is a very natural thing. Once again, um, people kind of pick and choose when this matters and when they're, you know, when a fighter should just shut up and fight and take the deal. Or, you know, if it's their favorite fighter, then they're like, oh, why does he have to do that, you know? So it, you can pick and choose all you want, but um, it's not – it's really not crazy. But obviously he'd have to – there was one fight left, but then if that one fight is like, well, we need a multi-fight deal, then I could see Boazzi's side going, well, wait a second. Is it one fight left or not? Or, you know, I don't know. But either way um, – it's not some kind of crazy-ass thing, let's put it that way. It really isn't. That's, that's a very uh, standard thing. Um, so, yeah, Eddie is right there. He also has declared, this is from Boxing Social, Eddie Hearn has declared that Mauricio Lara will defend his WBA featherweight in a rematch with Lee Wood or a trilogy versus Josh Warrington on May 27th. So um, the WBA has now set um, a deadline, April 1st, for Fury and Usyk. Contracts for the undisputed fight must be signed by then, or Usyk will be ordered to defend his uh, mando for the WBA in Dubois. So, yeah. Also, speaking of the U.K., um, April 1st, Austin Williams and Felix Cash will be in separate bouts, um, but then we'll meet in June, as long as they both get through that. I saw that on boxing scene. saw that in a variety of places. Um, and someone was asked, asking me about ProBox TV. Um, you know, you don't have to sign up for the app on your phone. That's it. You can get it on Roku, Apple TV, Google TV, um, Amazon Fire Stick. But, yeah, you can also – you can find that uh, Pro Box TV app now um, in all app stores, basically, available in the U.S. and Australia. Huh. But, yeah, just, just so you know, it, it, like I said, it's, a, it's an inexpensive app. Um, Yocasta Valle and Jessica Basulo – what is it? Basulo? Anyway, they're, uh, they have a unified title. Uh, I think it's from Costa Rica. But anyway, that's Saturday as well on BL, BLK Prime. So they're back in the business, um, so to speak. Uh, Oscar Valdez. Okay, this one kind of surprised me. Um, Valdez is going to fight a rematch with Adam Lopez. Um, it'll be the co-feature to an ESPN pay-per-view with Haney and Loma. So, I didn't know that he was going to take this fight. But they say if he wins, um, you know, and he's not injured, then he'll then they'll fight Navarrete. So, a little surprised on that one, but, you know, it is what it is. Um... Oh, also, uh, Ugas and Barrios. Uh, the, the WBC ordered another interim welterweight belt. I'm not really worried about that shit. 
I don't really belts are belts, rankings are rankings, interim bullshit, vacant, whatever. I'm more focused on the fight, and I do like Ugas and Barrios because one Barrios is a good time to face Ugas. It's probably the best time to face Ugas coming off a long layoff in that you know that eye injury, but it's still a risk for him and. Barrios just got a win, but, you know, coming off the Gervonta and Thurman fight to go back with Ugas, and I think Ugas coming back, this is a good level for him. So I, I like the fight. I don't give a shit what, you know, how many damn, I don't, I don't know. It's, 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 it's the bullshit WBC or just, you know, whatever, alphabets in general. But, um, so yeah, having another, you know, interim whatever, title eliminator, that stuff's nonsense to me, but I like the fight, and that's really the most important thing. So hopefully that, you know, that that, that comes through. Um, so, so Eddie have been kind of going back and forth a little bit, right? Um, Oscar, basically, Oscar says, like, you know, This is what he said. Let's see. He said, Eddie Hearn stopped. This is what Oscar uh, tweeted. Eddie Hearn, stop attempting to poach another one of my world champions, Muguia. Why is it impossible for you to build your own? To quote Roger Mayweather, you don't know shit about boxing. Now, um, Eddie Hearn on Oscar De La Hoya criticizing the Canelo versus John Ryder. He needs to look at his own matchmaking, particularly... Guia, absolute horrific, embarrassing. If you want to look at Canelo's resume, um, criticize, you're a complete idiot, whatever. Um, You know, he hasn't, I mean, he fought a faded Triple G for a lot of money, right? But he had just come off a Bivol fight. He had come off a competitive fight with Plant. So, you know, the Ryder fight, it is what it is. He hasn't fought since September. Of course, he is somewhat used to going September to to May in his career. But sometimes he'll fight December. A couple of years back, he fought uh, in February and still made that May date. You can say whatever you want about the fight. Um, but Oscar, I think it's his bullshit. I, I, I side with Eddie Hearn here. I don't – I think it's really ridiculous uh, – because Oscar's got his own shit. And, you know, when he says try to poach another one of my fighters, not forget. Now, I get the Eddie Hearn and DAZN thing where they're trying to box out Golden Boy and just have Canelo straight up. And, you know, the, in some of these fights, they paid Canelo less. And, and we know right around COVID time, there was an issue there, you know. But Golden Boy had something to do with that issue. As we know, this is what the lawsuit was going to be about until he got released, Canelo was speaking of. Canelo thought that he, well, he did have an agreement, because he was suing with it, um, that he thought he had agreement on he had, you know, final say to sign off on his opponents. But behind Canelo's back, Golden Boy signed something with the zone saying they have the right for final, you know, uh, okaying, basically, uh, Canelo's opponent. And as it turned out, the way it turned out, 
it sure seemed like the zone was in the right because otherwise they would have just had Canelo fight somebody. Um, which so Golden Boy, you know, Oscar likes to talk a bunch of shit. Sometimes, you know, I agree with him. I'm not saying that, but I mean, this is silly. I mean, he's the one who dropped the ball. You know, they're the one who, you know, went behind Canelo's back. So if you're worried about them stealing him, well, you shouldn't have, shouldn't have, you know, shouldn't have done that. You know, I mean, you had Canelo, the biggest star. Well, why did you? Why were you so shaky with that? Now I understand that they need dates, and Canelo was such a, you know, a valid or a vital, I should say, important, you know, part in getting dates. And now it's been reported multiple times now that, you know, that they're on like a fight-by-fight, month-by-month type of thing, and obviously they don't really have a budget. And shit, even Matchroom, if Canelo's not fighting, um, their budget's way less too, right, as far as Matchroom USA. So I would say, you know, Eddie, Eddie's right here. You know, I don't think Oscar has much, uh, much to say. Speaking of Boazzi, though, he did sign a, a multi-fight deal with Boxer. His first fight is May 6th on Sky Sports in uh, Birmingham. So, um, he also, well, I think we reported that he left 258 management. And Boazzi now signed with, this is from IFL TV, signed with a, a manager managerial contract with newly found Ringside Sports company seems to be a joint venture uh, between uh, Amir Khan and his manager and David Hay as well, Majid and Hay. So we'll see, you know, where that goes. Um, so what is the other fight news out there that I was going to – this is a little back and forth with Lawrence Coley, who's got a fight coming up. Um Coley, this is Cox Sports, said he's very malicious about Eddie Hearn. Very malicious, very bitter, jealous as well for someone who has been brought up in such a great position and has done so much in terms of his own life. The way he acts on a personal level is very vindictive. Um, and then just so we get the other side too, Eddie responded to that. It's one of the few times I get positive comments when Lawrence Colgie says something negative about me. I don't really understand the personal insults. When you say I'm jealous of what? Jealous of Lawrence Coley? Um, oh, by the way, there there was some talk about so DAZN so DAZN came with a new channel that you can get. It's called DAZN One HD. Okay. So it is something you can get if you have Sky Sports. I've heard it's very – someone explained it to me from the U.K. that I've talked to for a while. That, like, to, like on Sky Sports, you can get the channel for BT Sport, from my understanding. So this is that, basically. There's a channel for the zone um, 1HD. Now, been a little back and forth. It got a lot of pushback. Um, because some people are like, well, hold on. So I don't have access to it on that, but I have it on that. So, uh, there's an update on the zone one <clears throat> from the zone, uh, channel 429 on sky. 
we underestimated how many of our existing customers would want access to our new linear channel, the Zone 1 HD on channel 40, 429 on Sky. We have, list, uh, we have listened to you, and our technical team is working hard to find a solution that will give those of you with Sky Boxes access to the Zone uh, HD or 1 HD. We are confident that the solution will be in place before programming begins on, on in two days, March 23rd. Be patient in the meantime. Because they were saying, well, you know, you know how they have a variety of different sign-ups for it, just like they do here. Um, basically, some people didn't have access to it. Um, so DAZN now, though, this is the new announcement. DAZN has now announced that the existing subscribers on Monthly Saver or the annual Super Saver deals can now register via DAZN website for access to their new Sky TV channel, DAZN, you know, 1HD, for no extra cost. That's Sky 429. So hopefully that helps you guys out. Um, we'll see. We will see. Here's some other fight news. The WBA has notified super featherweight champion. This is Deuce Ranger Rollins, by the way. Has, has notified um, Hector Luis Garcia and mandatory challenger Lamont Roche to begin a 30-day negotiation period for a Mando title bout. If they don't reach a deal, it'll go to purse bid, 75-20 favor of the champion. Um, so, yeah. By the way, two things from Pro Box. Uh, they have another Wednesday show, so tomorrow, March 22nd, they have uh, Mohammed, uh, so Mariar, I can't remember. Actually, I gotta look it up. I gotta look it up. But Angel Vasquez as well, and also uh, Dominic Baya, and I think it's a Duncan is his last name. They'll be featured on the card. This one's on ProBox TV, the app, but it's also on YouTube. So it's more of the Rising Star thing. Um, Soy Mari, Mariaro. So look for that. I mean, it's cheap, dude. It's two bucks. You know, it's two dollars a month, dude. It's really not that much. Just today is like the only time I've had issues kind of accessing it, and I didn't always have the app on my Roku. So maybe that has something to do with it, because I was going to watch some of those other fights beyond the two I covered today, but. That's something that I didn't, wasn't able uh, to do. By the way, we do have a little information now. Um, uh, Cheatham, Moretta, and Weisfeld are going to be the judges for Benavides Plant, which is, you know, a very common uh, of judges in Vegas. But Kenny Bayless is appointed as a ref, and we know Bayless sometimes – Sometimes he can be really good. Other times, eh, not so much. Sometimes he's too involved. Sometimes he's not enough involved as far as the holding. So that'll be kind of interesting. He's not that young. I think he's 70 now. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. That I think that plays into uh, Caleb Plant a little bit there. 
along with the 22 by 22 ring. So I would say those two help him um, in the fact that he's been, you know, in a big atmosphere type fight. We will have some other fight news um, coming up um, and all that good stuff. Um, oh, there is one. Uh, yeah, I'll save some more fight news um, in a little bit. Um, but I do want to kind of get into uh, breaking down um, the, the fight coming up this weekend. And like I said, the undercard has a variety of really interesting stuff to me. I, I think it's really interesting. I think there's, you know, some kind of make it or break it um, type fights on there. So I'm, I'm really kind of interested in that. I think that's going to be a pretty good card overall, though. Hang on real quick. All right, sorry. Got something in my throat here. Temperature keeps going up and down here. So that always kind of messes with me a little bit. I'm not sick or anything, but just kind of messes with me. Like I said, we do have um, uh, Mabili, I think it's Mabili and uh, Gongora. That's going to be on ESPN Plus on Thursday. Okay? That's going to be an interesting fight. I like that fight. I do want to give you a little heads up on that one. Um, That got picked up. And I think that's been some of the strongest um, you know, some of the strongest stuff they have is on is on that uh, is on ESPN Plus. It, it really is. I mean, they've uh, they've done a really good job uh, picking up a lot of stuff on there. And then we have Jose Ramirez, you know, against Richard Comey, um, Estrada in like Rupech Rupec is the co-feature. That could be a good fight. I mentioned Lawrence Coley. That's going to be on Pro Box TV. They did just pick that up against David Light. He was a pretty good fighter. Um, but, yeah, that uh, – I think it's Christian Mbila, Mbila and Carlos Gongora. That should be a good fight. I like that. And, like I said, they, ESPN, that's a Thursday, though. Not Friday, Thursday. So that that's something to keep an eye on. Um, and, of course, you know, Jose Ramirez is, is returning. We'll see what Comey has left. We'll talk a little bit about that. But as far as the main event goes, um, you know, David Benavides, Caleb Plant. Um, God damn. Oh, man, these messages, dude. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm really excited for this fight. Um, the buildup. Sorry, the build-up. <laughs> you can read some of these. I read some of them, you know, to you guys, but it's, man, some of them are just fucking ridiculous, dude. It's just beyond over the top. But anyway, that's part of it. It's okay. No problem messaging me. Um, so breaking down this fight, I already mentioned, you know, Bayless does usually help in that scenario for the outside boxer. Not always, but we'll see. Um, And it's not like Caleb, it's not like Plant, you know, is like an excessive holder. You know what I mean? 
So, if anything, it'd be like a clinch and turn. I always try to use the example of uh, Shane Mosley and Margarito. Two different fights here, obviously, style matchup, but just that, that quick clinch, turn them, and get the hell out of there. That would that I think that would be pretty interesting. Uh, both these guys got really good jabs. Um, Caleb Plant, is, you know, he faints a lot with his jab. He's got a really accurate jab, though. He can jab on the move. He can pivot off of it. He's got a good stab jab. Uh, he can go to the body um, with the jab. Just, just accurate. Like I said, he can be on the move. He can just score points with it, and it's solid. Um, whereas Benavidez, he's got a lot of speed and, and some power. He's definitely got a hard-ass jab, and it's long, right? No doubt about that. Um, but so I think both of them are going to, you know, they're going to use it a lot. They're going to use it a lot. Um, at times, I'd say footwork-wise, well, why don't I just break down one of them and we'll kind of go back and forth. Um, you know, Plant definitely needs to be on the move a lot. Like I said, that 20, 22 by 22. And I'm not saying that he has to be on his, like, motorbike with a full tank of gas um, or, like, a 18, like a 10-speed or 18-gear bike, you know, and going downhill and shit. He doesn't need to do all that. But he, he doesn't – you don't want to spend a lot of time covering up, getting in that Philly shell too much. Because that's the thing. They both, like defensively, upper body movement and footwork and all that, and up close to an extent, definitely Plant has the advantage there. Whereas uh, David Benavides has that, you know, that earmuff kind of high guard defense. And that's where it's going to be interesting, whether it's, you know – throwing a jab to the body, using that stab jab. But either way, Plant's going to have to take advantage of that high guard. Um, whether it's a quick combination getting out of there, whether it's a, a straight right hand that goes to the body instead, um, you know, using angles to take a little step around, you know, and land a good body shot and leave. Um, but either way, he's, he's definitely going to have to take advantage of that. And he likes to double up not only on the jab, but on a lot of his punches, the left hook, uppercuts. I'd say beyond the jab, I'd say the left hook. Um, and sometimes it's a left hook to the body, left hook to the head. Sometimes it's just a, a double left hook, but he'll throw it, you know, back to back. Um, sometimes he does that with the straight right hand to the body. Beyond the, the jab to the body, the straight right hand to the body, I think, could do really well when he has – you know, that high guard up Benavides, which he does a lot. And that can, you know, when we're talking about footwork, the jab, I, I would say, still favors uh, Plant, but the footwork definitely. But, yeah, the left hook, the uppercut, the straight right hand of the body. Um, you know, just just use your fleet of foot. He's faster on his feet. Use it. You know, don't just sit there in front of him for too long. And that's where the second half of this fight for Plant Will he be up on the rope, trying to cover up, using that, you know, that shell, that Philly shell shoulder roll type defense, which I'll tell you what, he can do it pretty well compared to other, you know, people that, you know, just shouldn't use it at all. But the right, he's open for right hands. And 
you know, that that's going to be an issue, in, in, you know, in, in my mind. I think so. Um, so, yeah, another thing is the leaping when he punches uh, for plant. That's that he can't do too much of that because Benavidez, although like I said, doesn't have great defense, his footwork's not great. But as far as countering or a step back counter, he's very sharp when it comes to that. I'm talking about Benavidez, like I said, that straight right hand, especially when Plant is either cornered or on the ropes, that straight right hand, jab, jab, go to the body, whatever. But when he's covered up in that silly shell, bam, the right hand over that shoulder, I bet you he's going to land that a lot. He talks about his long jab. He's, he's fast-handed, not fast, to, you know, not fleet of foot, but he's definitely fast-handed. The, the whole, you know, flat-footed, sometimes, even when he's jabbing, you notice sometimes he'll, the foot positioning, either he gets a little off balance, where he may be countered and it may look like a bigger shot that hit him because it's, you know he's not in the right position, or just flat-footed squaring up, you know, um, that's something you know that you got to look at. Um, and both of them, you know, both of them reach with their punches. Sometimes he's a little far away and a Benavides and, and kind of flat-footed, like I mentioned, squared up, and he'll throw a punch from too far away. And I think Caleb will be able to take advantage of that. Just like I think Benavidez will be able to take advantage with the counter at close range um, when you see, you know, a, a guy like uh, Plant leaping into it. I think that's going to be key. And the two major things, obviously, is, you know, can Benavidez successfully cut off the ring on a guy that's a really good mover on the outside? It's not like he's never faced someone on the outside that can move and an outside boxer or a guy at range, maybe at the end of the pocket. He has, but not like playing. So can he cut off the ring consistently? And then how long will it take him to cut off the ring? That's another thing, too. Um, and obviously, with that pressure, with that volume, and we'll get into volume in just a second, um, fading. Right. Obviously, we know who fades, and that is Plant. And by the second, I mean even against uh, Uzgadji, a lot of people are just calling him Uzi now. You know, he landed those left hooks and knocked him down. It looked really good. But even in that fight, where it looked like you know he had already shown that he's got plenty of pop, he clearly has power. Just as Darrell um, with that nasty left hook, that combination of left hook to the body, left hook to the head. Um, but the gassing late, the fading late, and this is not a guy you want to fade. You know, you do not want to fade in the second half against Benavides because that's when he's finding his second and third and fourth gear. Um, so it's a it's the old you know battle makes fights come forward against outside boxer, and um, I've heard multiple people you know, talk about this, see, you know, a lot of accounts tweeting about this, listen to two podcasts lately. Well, one was like a YouTube channel, but you know, the old, uh, he's running from me. He's going to run. Right. And like I said, I do think plant will be on the move a lot. There's no point in being stationary consistently. Now, 
you don't want to over move. You don't want to move just to move. You don't want to have a bunch of wasted movement because you're going to burn yourself out. But that there's a reason why he got the 22 by 22, especially in Vegas. And like I said, Bayless is probably a good ref for him, more than likely. There are times where he lets people get rough on the inside because he's not doing anything about it. There's other times where the second there's a half a clinch, boom, he's in there. Or he'll just, but he won't warn the person that's holding. You know, and like I said, I haven't known Caleb to hold a bunch, but, um, you know, Canelo is more of a, I'm slowly coming at you and I'm trying to counter, I'm trying to land big shots, um, especially in the last, you know, handful of years. Whereas Benavidez, he's very skillful. He, you know, he's very fluid as a puncher, but he's going to grind and keep grinding and keep grinding. And it'll just be a matter of how many times can, and it can't just be shoe shining, but how many times can he get quick combos off to make Benavidez like respect not only the jab, but the incoming. Um, and so maybe it is those angles, the pivot, just the subtle stuff where he doesn't have to move the whole freaking time. But um, I actually think this has a little bit better of a chance to go the distance than a lot of people do. Um, now, if I'm going to pick a stoppage, obviously I'm going TKO David Benavidez. But don't be shocked if it's a majority decision. Or like a one, you know, two cards, one fifteen, one thirteen, one card, like I said, majority, maybe a split, or maybe one eighteen, you know, or not one eighteen, but eight to four, one sixteen, one fourteen. Um, don't, I'm not shocked if this thing goes the distance. To be honest with you, um, maybe that little extra room with the twenty-two by twenty-two will help. Like I said, you don't want to get too crazy with the movement because then you wear down. If you already have a track record of wearing down. Moving wears you out. A lot of people say, oh, you're a pussy for moving or you're weak for moving and all that. But the ring is the ring size, and that's what you're there to do. Can plants score enough solid punches to win rounds but not hang around too close up front in front of them? And obviously not up close. This is a good matchup. I am picking David Benavides to win. And if it is a stoppage, I'm going to say later than most. I think at least maybe the 10th, 11th, 12th round, something like that. But I'm not, like, that's what the, you know, that's the favorite, that he's going to win my knockout, right? So that's like, like, you can get, right now, you can get, and I'll break this down a little further. I'm going to bring in John in just a second and give his take on stuff. But you can get, like, the over-under, you know, where it's set is a little different from, from site to site, of course, but... You know, um, by decision, Benavidez is actually your highest, it's kind of your highest odds if you think Benavidez is going to win. Now, maybe the highest odds, I haven't checked it lately. You know, when they get the yes or no questions where they say, will this, will this fight, it's, it's part of the props. Like if you go, you know, on there, it'll be, it'll be like on my bookie. It'll say some props, and, and a lot of times they'll have like six props or you know prop bets or whatever. And you know a lot of times they'll ask the question, "Will this fight go the distance or not?" You know, 
and that's just basically that's it. And the yes, I'm assuming, is lower odds than the no, you know. So I think if you're looking to bet Benavides, but you're kind of like me where there's a chance, a better chance than I think people are giving um, to go the di- – I think it's going to go the distance. Um, I'm not putting all my, you know, money on it, <laughs> but I do think – that it, it has a better chance, in my opinion, of going the distance than people are saying. Um, I, I think Benavides is going to win. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't be shocked if it goes the distance. So much so that I, because of, you know, because of the odds, I have put a little money on it. Now, that's not my biggest bet on it, but, you know, it is what it is. So... I don't know, man. I, I actually think there's a chance this thing could go the distance. But either way, late TKO, um, Benavides, or or the you know straight up uh, decision win. All right, let's go to John here and get his take on the upcoming stuff. We'll break down um, the undercard more as well because it's definitely got a good. Even the YouTube fights have some interesting there. How you doing, John? What's going on, man? Chris, how's it going tonight? Uh, enjoyed uh, listening to some of your uh, breakdown of Plant and Benavides and a uh, big weekend for boxing fans. As I think this Benavides Plant card is the best card that uh, certainly we're getting to this point all year, and, and there may not be a better one all year. Yeah, you're right. It, it, that might be the case. That might be the case um, because it is, especially for, you know, some of these pay-per-views that we get nowadays, you're just like, okay, <laughs> so that's the pay-per-view, huh? Um, so if you want to talk about anything from, you know, that happened last week, be my guest. Um, Jojo Diaz definitely didn't look great against uh, Hesta. I didn't think the scorecards were all that correct. Um, like if you had Hesta winning, okay, Marcito, that's fine. But I did think the scorecards were a little wide, in my opinion. But um, any items from last week, or any anything that you'd want to uh, talk about before we get going on, um, you know, on this uh, big main event we got coming up here on Showtime, better be this plan. Yeah, I'd just add. I, I mean, I thought really going into that fight that Jojo Diaz was pretty much at the end of the line. And I think this just confirms it. Um, you know, Hester, I, I don't think, you know, he, he's really ever been that particularly impressive. And even getting in the decision in this one, still not. It's, it's just Diaz, he was underpowered, you know, as a featherweight, uh, had talent, you know, U.S. Olympian, and really – early in his career could box um, around the time of the Russell fight. I mean, I think that was a fight that he needed to do it in and he actually performed well, even though he lost. But uh, after that point, uh, he started to not box as more, uh, just kind of move forward. Uh, didn't really seem to want to bother moving around the ring much and moved up in weight. And he just doesn't, he didn't have the power as a featherweight. As a lightweight, he's completely underpowered to do anything but try to box. 
and he's just not the boxer or doesn't hasn't wanted to box like he used to and you know uh, I, I just as a lightweight without power and size with uh, his style what he brings to the table there's just not 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 much not much there for him he's going to fight um at that weight and and that's pretty much uh all from last week and i thought you know of course boxing is an all-year-round sport but uh we, and we usually do get something, but last week again really was weak. You know, you lost that Rosado fight with uh, Zerto Ramirez, a fight that I don't even think should have been made in the first place. So I was just as well with that. But you talked about the size of, you know, Zerto Gilberto Ramirez, and, and that came in the sense that he didn't even come close to making the weight for the fight at last. Yeah, that was crazy. 12 pounds over. So a fight shouldn't have been made anyway, complete mismatch, and not to mention a, a, a gross size mismatch uh, at light heavyweight as well. So good riddance to that one. And unfortunately for JoJo Diaz, I think, ends the line. But now this week, the exact opposite. Like you said, pay-per-views, we often don't get much for what they're asking. And, and frankly, as good of a fight as Clinton Benavides is, pay-per-view on its own, so to speak, if this were to be an undercard, really not worth much. I think as a pay-per-view, that was a stretch. But with with these three good competitive, uh, thing, meaningful undercard fights, I think some people are still even underestimating it at this point. I, I'm talking about the undercard. You know, you get four fights like that, to me, at least for what we're going to get in the year 2023, really on any card, and especially even on a pay-per-view card, because they, they had, over the years, become so focused on the main event. This is a throwback card to me, where you're, you're getting the pay-per-view, and you're really excited for a, a full night of boxing all for these fights. So it's a throwback to me in that sense. And, you know, I've been looking forward for a, a long time to this card for that reason. I think that made it a pay-per-view to me as a boxing fan, for what we get nowadays. You know, the good main event, which on its own, really, you can't really justify the pay-per-view, even though it was going to be anyway. But with those three fights, really makes it worthwhile. And it's really made the card that I've been looking forward to for a long time now. I think it'll, it'll probably when the year's over, it'll end up being the, the best card all year that was put together as well. So I think it's really refreshing for what we get nowadays, even though, you hate to have to pay 80 bucks in the U.S. and whatever you're going to have to pay in other countries. I see uh, Fight TV's picked it up in, like, the U.K., I, I believe Australia, Canada. Uh, so, you know, everybody's going to get it in one form of pay or another. But at least this card is really worth it. So I'm really looking forward to this week of action where we don't get a card this deep very often anymore. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, um We'll get to the undercard in a little bit, um, and I'm right there with you on JoJo. It just the guy we saw against Farmer, the guy we saw um, for chunks of round against Haney and Russell. It just seems like he's. I mean, the outside of the ring stuff, he's not keeping his body in shape. Clearly, he's coming in soft to all these fights for the most part uh, of late, anyway. And then you know. It was reported that he got a, a drinking driving ticket, you know, got arrested about a month ago. So, I mean, if you're in camp and you're getting, you know, a DU, 
DUI. I mean, that, that tells you how focused you are. So I'm with you. It doesn't, you know, Diaz is a talented fighter, and it's just it's crazy how he's just gone like – and sometimes maybe he, he thought in this fight, hey, I'm, I'm taking on a longtime veteran. I'll be able to just stop him or just beat him up. And um, although, like I said, I thought he did better than the cards said, but, yeah, he, he looks washed, man. He really needs to look in the mirror. But let's uh, preview and predict this uh, Benavidez and, and Plant uh, main event, and then we'll work our way through the card. Yeah, the main event, the, right, since you just got into a good segue for me to pick up with it as well. Um, I see it somewhat similarly. You know, both guys, I, I like their talent. You're being consistent, i got to say it. I did think at this point that still fighting at 168 pounds would catch up uh, with Benavidez. I've mentioned the story a few times. You know, he was well over 200 pounds, even as a teenager, you know, Big big size for this weight. He's been boiling down 168. Uh, I, I thought early in his career when he fought over 168, even though the opposition was lesser, that, that he looked better. I, I think that, to me, it always seemed like light heavyweight was a more natural and better weight for him, and even though there's only seven pounds difference. And in his case, I thought it was notable because, again, early in his career, when you see these fights when he even – weighed in over 168 he, he looked real really um not even like these 168 pound fights uh, a little while back when, when he was missing weight i'm talking about uh before any alphabet belt or anything like that when he was even on the line and he was uh, on his way up you'd see him over 168 he, he looked better he looked stronger i thought that catch up to him and you know in fairness to benavides uh even though i think he might be be better at a bit of a heavier weight. It hasn't caught up to him yet. So I'm at this point that I'm not really going to take that into consideration. And, and you know, that was something that I was. I'm not saying everybody else was, but I was. I, I thought it detracted from him a little bit. But he's been able to be effective enough, and his volume's good. That uh, you know, if, if he can continue to make this 168, and he doesn't feel it's that detrimental to him and his camp doesn't i i'm going to at this point then assume he can he can keep doing it but uh it does uh does surprise me how he does it but you know an example of maybe that would be better bf uh was a heavyweight as an amateur you know 200 pound heavyweight uh you know he's in his later 30s and he's still making 175 and of course he's undefeated with a perfect ko percentage against uh you know top opposition for that weight class he's been able to continue to do it into a later stage so i think benavidez it looks like he's just going to be able to keep doing that for a while longer uh plant you know i'm, I'm thinking uh you fought well against canelo um but you know you saw where when he was able to land his right hand against canelo and even though canelo and you know along with Golovkin, they they've clearly got the best two chins in boxing you can see Plant doesn't really bring the authority with that right hand. He does with the left hook. I mean, even before the Darrell fight, I, I'd always said that, you know, he's a guy that chooses to box, but his his left hand can hurt you. I think that's the case, but as good as Canelo's chin is, he wasn't really able to put any dent in Canelo with anything uh, before he got stopped late. Now, now, he did get caught with a shot, you know, on the inside, um, which led to Canelo being able to take him out. Uh, so it, it was 
kind of a one punch that got things started. He he wasn't having any problems before then, but you know Benavidez being bigger at the weight, um, Canelo strong, but but really kind of a stronger guy Benavidez. And again, where he comes from, a, a, a much higher weight, uh, really naturally. Um, I think you know he, he's bigger and stronger than Canelo, and and he punches with a lot more volume than Canelo. So um, I just think if Canelo was able, even with the different styles, I just think that with Canelo able to get to Plant at some point, uh, I think Plant is not going to be able to hold Benavidez off the whole time because Benavidez has more volume than Canelo, and you know as I've said before. I don't like punch stat numbers at all for determining who won a fight. I think they're meaningless for that in the pro game. And it, they, don't, they don't tell you really how hard a punch is. You, you, but, but for some purposes, they are useful. And I did see um, Dan Canobio tweet out recently yeah. uh, who in boxing, an interesting stat to me that really does matter with punch stat, you know, who, who were the best in plus minus and some of them who you would suspect were there, but Benavides was there. And I, I meant to mention this to you on previous shows, Chris, because this is why I think stats don't really lie. With my own naked eye, I thought he was trying to do it, but I didn't think it was necessarily that effective. I thought it was interesting that, you know, Javante Tank Davis was also on there. What I was mentioning to you about that was you had felt that Davis's boxing skills were effective when he was boxing. I thought they were okay. He was kind of putting on a show, but, you know, you got to look at some of the data, and uh, does show you that Davis's boxing skill is more effective than maybe it looks because we think of his punching power because he he was in there as well, and Benavidez right. was, and and I think and of course opponents, you, get, you know, opponents for both Benavidez and Davis, I guess you'd have to put in there as well, right? That's what I was thinking is that you know you could make an argument that well maybe compared to some of the other guys on this list, the opponents of Benavidez and you know, tank maybe aren't as strong. I, and, and, you know, you do have to take that into account, and that was in the back of my mind, but I, I was still kind of impressed that they were on there, even right. if maybe you, you discount the lack of, you, you know, you discount the opponents for a moment. And I thought those were, you know, a couple guys you wouldn't necessarily think were on there. And, and it tells me that even, like you said, you got to take opponents into account, but, but that these are two guys who, who are a little better with their defense combined with then how accurate they are on offense. I think we knew they're both accurate on offense, but, but that shows you that the defense is there as well. So uh, that means these are not guys, you know, that even though they have the offense, they're not just there taking shots uh, when, when they do choose to box them, it's effective. So, you know, Caleb Plant during his career, when he, when he's had a flaw, you know, it hasn't been defensively, um, it's really been that, you know, he, he can get one punch at a time and his volume really drops off. He, he was doing better with that in those earlier rounds against Canelo, but Canelo was still able to get there. But it's still not a strength of his. And, and you know, Benavidez, I think that is one of the reasons that he is high on that plus-minus is because we know Tank's not a high volume, but that's where you have a difference. I mean, Benavidez throws, so um, you know, so he's accurate and he's throwing and he's got some good defense. I think then with the size and the fact that Benavides has good pop, um, you would say, you know, at 168 pounds, I mean, you could debate, you know, you know maybe, you know, Canelo hits harder possibly, but, you know, you know, Benavides is there. 
So I think all all that combined, I think, you know, Plant is a very good defensive fighter. When he's really, really on his game, um, you know, he, he does remind you a bit of Roy Jones. When Roy Jones was at the top of his game with speed and reflexes and, you know, tough to hit, I mean, Plant's kind of a defender like that at the top of his game. You know, it's not like a fundamental, really necessarily uh, perfect technique defense, even though he's really good defensively. It's, it's you know, that he's really, really at the top with the speed and the reflexes. So he's always going to be tough to hit, but Canelo was eventually able to get there. And like you said, you know, Canelo's a countering, picking his spots guy, and, and he did eventually find a spot. You know, Benavidez is not reckless or anything, but, you know, he, he comes with a higher volume combinations. And I think that just at some point, as we do get more into the second half, I, I think that that's going to be too much for Plant. And I think that Benavidez will win the fight, but I think he'll get a stoppage. I'm leaning stoppage later that it's going to be too much volume for Plant to defend against. And even though Plant can hurt you with that, left hook, and, and I say that even outside of the um, KO, uh, you know, who's caught the guy, he did knock down twice with the left hook, but if you watch his earlier career fights, he, when he wanted to let that left hook go and commit to it, he, he could hurt you with it, but he's just, even though he's a good boxer, he's just not really a combination guy to me, he's always been a little more of a one-punch guy, and that's what he really needs to make you miss, because he's, he's not a volume guy on offense, Um you know, he has been able to dominate lesser out position with his defense and then, you know, landing his shots. But I think Benavides has skill and volume, and he's not going to be able to do that as well against Benavides. And I think it'll be a good fight. I mean, I think it's a, it's a good – it's an excellent matchup. It's a good fight. Um, I like both guys. Um, you know, I, I think Plant's got the abilities to be in there, but I'm just having problems seeing him making Benavides – miss enough that then his volume is going to be enough to, you know, be winning rounds and the fight. He, he might nail Benavides with the left hook. It's it's possible, you know, just sting him. But I, I think Benavides is going to be able to kind of wear him down with the volume, be able to put enough pressure on him that as we get to the second half, I just don't think Plant's going to be able to have enough to hold him off. And I think Benavides is going to get to him. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like a lot of people are going that way for obvious reasons. And just to go a little bit further, you're talking defensively and whatnot, uh, copy box. This is really telling here in twofold, I think, with the, uh, the average, you know, thrown punch per round, average landing. Benavides throws 20 more punches around and lands over 10 more. So 66.7 to 46.1, and 25.6 lands per round um, to 14. And another thing is, because, you know, we know Plant has a really good jab. The problem is, uh, you know, Benavidez does too, and he actually technically throws a few more jabs per round and lands about a jab and a half more. (laughs) So it's like, damn, okay, well, I got a better jab, maybe. Well, and then it comes with hand speed too. So that's going to be a telling thing over a you know a long period of time in that fight, and uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. And I was talking about, um, so I'm on 
my bookie right here, and it says the question I was I was mentioning earlier: Will the fight go the distance? Yes is plus one seventy six. No is minus two seventy, which is pretty you know basic. Now the David Benavides by decision that I was talking about is plus two eighty six. Um, that's gone down a little bit because I got it at plus two ninety eight. Um, and the, the knockout is minus 144. So um, now, obviously, there's a reason why <laughs> it is that way, you know, and, and a lot of people do think he will get stopped and, and all that, um, which, you know, I do think it'll be, if it is a stoppage, it'll be later, maybe later than some. So I got, I got plus, I got, I'm just looking at it right now, I got plus 299 for Benavides to, to win by decision. Didn't have to put a lot of money down. You could put, you know, $40 down, and, and it, that's almost $120 uh, win right there. See, so you, you know, you don't have to put a lot of money there, not to say that I, you know, have that, you know, and then that's it. But it's kind of interesting to look at that stuff. And then obviously um, the over-under uh, money as well. Clearly a uh, where did he go? I just had it. Something just happened. But the over under is about it's both minus uh, minus uh, numbers right now, uh, which I think it'll stay that way. So you know clearly a lot of actually here it is. Over under is minus one twenty over nine and a half and minus one thirteen under nine. Where do you side in there? It just straight up pick and plant uh, is a plus 245 um, just for those who uh, care. And obviously plus 442 by decision, which I think he'd probably have to win by decision um, if he's going to win plant. Yeah, on those, I think you have some good logic because they're both good fighters. And I think sometimes, you know, when you have uncertainty and in predicting things, you can look at, at generalities even. And when you take two good fighters like this, and especially Plant's been a very good defensive fighter, um, as all fighters get to upper level of opposition, there's less stoppages. So for these right. two guys, one guy's only got one loss and the other guy's undefeated, you know, the chance really, even though the odds don't reflect that, the chances of a stoppage – uh, even though I, I I think that's to me a little more likely just in the way I'm analyzing the fight, but still with guys oh, yeah. at this point level and Plant's defense level, I think you're right, Chris. If people are looking for a value, um, for it to actually be a a plus that Plant a value that does seem like a value, even though I'm leaning towards the stoppage for Benavidez later. So I can't argue with that bet. Um, you know, two fighters on this level the stoppage would actually seem to be less likely. So, um, you know, and Benavidez is not really a one-punch type of a guy or anything like that. So, right. you know, he's, he's, you think he's going to have to land volume to do it. So, um, yeah, that seems to be a pretty good bet, even though I'm leaning towards the stoppage. I would say in terms of values, there really is a logic to a plus going the distance with these two guys uh, being a good value. Yeah, I think it's just worth, you know, taking a flyer out on it um, just because. But we're pre- we're basically on the uh, 
on the same page as far as how the fight will play out. Um, I, it is, you know, that cat and mouse type game. Um, do you think Kenny Bayless will uh, um, either involve himself or not involve himself in the fight? Because we know that sometimes holding, uh, he allows certain fighters to get away with it. Not that Plant holds a lot, uh, but he may think, hey, if I'm hurt, why not try to clinch uh, something he didn't necessarily do a lot against Canelo? What do you think about Bayless being, uh, I think, age 70 now, if, I, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, what, do you think that plays into anything? I don't really see how it, I don't see how in this one I don't see how in this one it would necessarily be a factor. I guess people are looking at, you know, Bayless being known maybe as a referee who might favor the boxer a little more and yeah, if allow And a lot of know, it has to do with Floyd, you know. Exactly, right. So you know they're looking at it there and you know, we know Plant's been fighting out of Vegas for a long time and things like that. I I'm with you, I mean it's not Plant's more of like a, like I said, if you're going to make a little bit of a comparison, you know, when he's been at the top of his game defensively on the way up, um, he's been a little more to me of like a Roy Jones speed and reflex type guy than like a fundamental tricky boxer who's maybe also going to do a lot of clinching and grabbing. He might do it in this fight. He might have to. I'd say that is possible, but I don't think it's going to be enough of a transformation where, if people are looking that Bayless has that kind of a slant, that that's going to be a difference maker in this type of a fight or anything. So I wouldn't put too much stock in it. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. Um, and then, you know, on the undercard, the closest uh, match fight on paper um, clearly is the, uh, um, the, what the, oh, Colbert, and uh, Rayo, Jose Venezuela. He actually, Rayo is technically right now on FanDuel. He's a plus 112. I see him at a plus 100. That's on bet 365. So when you're at plus 100, minus 138, and honestly, even in boxing standards, plus 112 is in minus 142. That's pretty close to a pick type fight. Obviously, um, both coming off losses, um, you know, De Los Santos on the Rio side of it did was a, a late opponent that he probably wishes he wouldn't have taken, um, to be fair, you know. And now he did knock him down, and, and, you know, he looked good at times, but, you know, he ended up getting uh, beat up pretty good. And then you have Colbert, who just didn't. Colbert, now Colbert, Chris Colbert just didn't look all that great, you know, either. Like, it just seemed like he had, he was just kind of, uh, just kind of, you know, like, where do I, where do I get my check? I'm going to sign here. Okay, we're good. Like, after a handful of rounds, it just didn't feel like he was even in that fight. And, uh, like I said, just didn't look good at all. And this one, it is at 135. I don't know if that'll make that big of a difference, you know, um, we'll see if that does. Venezuela definitely has more pop, it feels like. Um, you know, he has fought, like, I thought one of his best fights was against Dulé. I 
think that was here actually in the States, but I mean, you know, he, he, maybe he got a little too excited. You know, he was down early. Um, what in the, yeah, they're down the same round. They were going at it in that fight, um, against Edwin De Los Santos. I like this fight cause it's like, it's almost like a, it's not a winner go home, but for a guy in Colbert who, you know, both of them have, what, 17 fights and, like, 15 fights or something like that, 13 fights, so 12-1 and one and 16-1. and one. I like this matchup, and I got to admit, I'm, I'm a little on the fence. I think Ryle's going to win. I favor, you know, I think he's a pretty skilled, uh, like, puncher. I don't think he's a huge knockout artist or anything like that, but I think he's very fluid with his punches. Now, can he apply smart pressure and do some things like beat him to the punch the way uh, Garcia was able to do in his last fight? This is an interesting fight, and clearly damn near a pick on the betting uh, boxing odds. Yeah, the sign of a good fight, it fits for me personally as well, because since this fight's been signed, I've been going back and forth on who's going to, win this one and as you said correctly Chris with both guys having a loss after really Colbert even even farther along but Valenzuela then had really started to make his move um you had that even though a guy well past his best still a name you know had that that brutal one shot knockout of you know Francisco Vargas and and you know Colbert had been picking up wins over you know King Cub, who's, who's a tough opponent, and, uh, you know, veteran and Corrales. Uh, so they, they were both well onto their ascension when both picked up losses. So, like you said, you know, you know, maybe I'm looking at this card with these three competitive undercard fights, especially, you know, Valenzuela and Colbert and Spencer and Ramos, that, you know, as important as both of these fights are to all four of these guys, we probably do need to leave open a window in, in the, those two fights where as critical as they are for the four guys, if both men perform well in these fights, you know, there's, there could still be a good path forward, especially with all the matchups PBC has available because they have that deeper roster that you may not be done. I mean, these fights are absolutely critical and it makes it exciting for the card, but, but even this fight with two guys with one loss, they might they might not be done if they perform well even in a loss here Saturday night, but it is absolutely crucial. So I've gone back and forth. When the fight was first signed, I thought really, as you said, that Valenzuela, up to the point of getting the upset loss, he's a, a power guy. He's got good height for the weight and has some boxing skill. And I really was looking at, you know, I, I like to talk about you know the great Emmanuel Stewart you know, guy I consider boxing genius because he first got this kind of sunk into my head. He, a lot of concepts uh, that really do work, he did. And one of them was, you know, when, when a guy just gets caught, you know, with one shot and, and he hasn't been outfought the whole fight or anything like that. Of course, one of the most famous examples of all time being, and of course, Emmanuel Stewart was in the corner. He brought it out for that one was, you know, the first Rockman Lewis fight when, you know, Lewis was, kind of in control, playing around, and, and bang, one shot, and he was, he was done, and he was out. 
which, you know, we're all shocked and thinking, oh, Lennox, Lennox Lewis going down again, you know, because you had the call instance like that famously for that going down. And, and you know, Emmanuel Stewart really didn't panic at all or anything. He just said, look, you know, sometimes in boxing, you know, when it's a one-shot situation, you just got to take it as, well, it's not necessarily that the other guy was lucky, but you can't read too much into it because that's the way boxing is, that it all turns with one shot. And, and don't read too much into it if the guy wasn't getting fought all fight and getting knocked out where it's just one shot. So I thought that with Valenzuela with that De Los Santos fight, because De Los Santos, he does happen, you know, it's shown in the KO percentage, but doesn't, didn't really have the volume going in. And, and, you know, that was a fight, you know, like you said, Valenzuela had him down. I think he just got caught. So when they first signed the fight, I was looking at, well, Valenzuela is still young and talented using that Emmanuel Stewart analysis, really the guy wasn't out fought. I mean, he just got caught. Look, I thought he was going to win the fight. I liked him a lot. Um, you got to get take Sun. that fight on late notice, too, against a quality fighter like that. Especially a guy that can punch. So, you know, I was disappointed for him, too, because I liked him on the way up, was getting excited about him. Um, but I, I'm kind of going back to that Emmanuel Stewart analysis and saying you got to – take the perspective the guy just got caught so you know that had me Colbert on the other hand against Garcia it was equally as shocking but what's more problematic is now let's look at the other side of that Emmanuel Stewart analysis that's what concerned me about Colbert and I liked him a lot going into you know his upset loss against Garcia just like I liked Valenzuela going into De Los Santos is Colbert got dropped and just got out fought in that fight. And Colbert was a guy up to that point. Uh, he didn't have the pop generally, but he had the defense and he was starting to show versatility, but he had always been a top defensive fighter on the way up at that point. And that's what was really shocking to me, you know, him just getting dropped and really controlled like that by, at that point, an unknown Garcia. And, you know, even though Garcia has had, had that good recent run until running into tank, um, Guy a little bit of a more advanced age for that weight too to be on that run, so that you know that concerned me too. In other words, it wasn't like Colbert lost you know a young guy who you know maybe we underestimated or something like that or had picked up a couple close losses. You know, it was a guy even though he's Gar- undefeated Garcia, kind of a kind of an older guy for the weight. So that was more concern. But then when I was thinking about it again, this being a close matchup, I thought well. You know, Valenzuela, very young guy, but he had – sometimes when he was fighting guys that at that lower-level opposition who boxed a little better, he did look like he was having a little bit of trouble. And I thought, you know, maybe Colbert can just pull his game back together and just, you know, out, outbox this guy. Um, but then as the fight got close, I went back to my original analysis and it seemed like it took a while to start seeing lines out on the fight. I was looking for him like you were and – just really first saw him, I wasn't seeing a lot of lines out on these undercard fights, which was telling me at least that the oddsmakers had something to think about, I, I believe, is usually kind of what you're feeling. Um, close, like you said, I was surprised to see Valenzuela at the plus, um, but I'm going to have to look at that as a value. I've gone back and forth. I was Valenzuela, then I was leaning towards Colbert, but then as we've gotten closer to fight time, not just because of the odds, because frankly that gets me looking the other way. Uh, it, you know, the odds makers have to know, you know, it is really, there more of a chance that Colbert outboxes them. 
Um, that's what the odds makers are thinking at this point. But I, I got to still go Valenzuela. I, I think he's going to win the fight um, because Colbert was outfought against Garcia and he was able to be hit, and boxing was the name of his game. Uh, I think a younger guy like Valenzuela, who has pop and has, um, you know, he, he's got better chances to me of, of landing on Colbert than even Garcia did. And with the Valenzuela loss, that was just, a, to me, a one-punch kind of thing. He was out. He got caught. But one-punch deal. Um, Colbert is not a puncher. So I don't think we have to be, even if Valenzuela is maybe it's a chin thing, which it might not be necessarily with a puncher as good as De Los Santos, um, Colbert's not really the guy to exploit that. I mean, that, that's the other thing that worried me for Colbert in this matchup is that even when then I was thinking about him winning, I'm like, Man, he's got to do it over the distance. In other words, you know, he's got to be sharp for the full, full distance, or he's not going to win the fight. You know, he's not. Even though uh, Valenzuela is coming off getting stopped, uh, Colbert's just not a puncher. So he's a guy that's got to he's got to buckle, buckle in, uh, right in the first round through the last because he's got to get a decision victory. So that that's always more to ask. You know, when a guy has to go the distance, so. I'm now in a very tight matchup that I've gone back and forth myself a couple times. I am going to go now as the fight's coming up. I'm going to go with Valenzuela for the original reasons. I think it is that Emmanuel Stewart-type analysis that in the last fight, in Valenzuela's case, he just got caught. Um, He may be able to get right back on track uh, if he doesn't get caught like that again. And in Colbert's case, it was more concerning because – he got controlled, dropped uh, over the distance, and he's a boxer. So uh, that tells me Valenzuela might be able to do that to him because he's got to be so sharp to do it over the distance coming off a performance like that. I think that'll be a little tougher for him. So in a very close matchup, an excellent matchup, uh, I'm going to go with Valenzuela. And it it might be a fight for him well, and it's tight, uh, that that maybe both of them do get some redemption coming off the – that prior loss, but I, I am in a very tight one. I'm going to go with Valenzuela. Yeah, I feel the same way. I just think, um, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't think, I think he's a different fighter than Garcia, but he's a fluid puncher. He does, you know, at range pretty well. And, uh, you know, there's times where Chris on the way up, I know he won that, uh, you know, that, um, interim belt or whatever it was, but there was, you know, he, he looked good in some of these fights. He looked really good, like very fluid puncher, speaking of, pot shot, could move really well, um, and, you know, like against Jezreel Corrales, I thought he looked pretty good. I liked how he, on that uh, uh, Arbol, Arboleta or whatever, I liked how he turned the heat on him, uh, same with Tug, like, you know, he had a nice little run going there. And then, yeah, just like a skilled – it was almost like when he went against a skilled fighter that was kind of, you know, on his par, then it was just – it was like, whoa, what's going on? So I do think um, Rayo, Jose Venezuela, will will fight smart. But, I, yeah, I just think he's – I think he's just a tad bit better. And um, But I'm with you. I think it's going to be a close fight because it is kind of – it's even more make or break. I mean, it's – not make or break for both these guys, but we know when you lose twice in a row, it does set you back. Um, 
at least there are plenty of guys to fight, you know, so they're not both done. But I think Colbert being already like a top five fighter or whatever at a weight class at 130, it seems like that would be a, a you know, a pretty big loss for him. Um, Cody Crawley, Abel Ramos, and then, of course, Jesus Ramos and uh, Joseph Spencer, Joey Spencer. Um, you know, Ramos is a guy that, you know, he's 27 and like five. He's been stopped once. He's got a fair amount of knockouts to his resume. Um, there's times where um, he'll kind of uh, overachieve in a fight. I thought he did all right against Ugas, but I didn't think it was a split decision, even though that's what the card said. The Jamal James is one where I thought he looked good against Baranchik. I thought he looked good. Um, but, I mean, pro grade, like the guy's faced a lot of fighters considering, you know, it's not like he's all that old himself. You know, he's not that old. He's just a veteran. And so, you know, I like this fight because, you know, Cody Crawley's kind of in the rankings waiting for the next, you know, move. And, and obviously against uh, Abdu Kakarov, he, he, you know, that's where he kind of, came on the scene, he faced, uh, I think it was, uh, oh, wait, I think it was Jose Cito, if I'm not mistaken, in his last fight. To me, this is really the most experienced, you know, guy he's faced. And it's really interesting because a lot of times Crawley brings the pressure. Um, And so I think this is kind of a can't-miss action fight. But I think Ramos, maybe he's due to kind of, um, overperform and really give him a, a tough test. I like Crawley to win this one, but I think it's a good fight um, at this stage. Trying to kind of as a, I think it's a little bit more than a placeholder, but you know, trying to keep that ranking where he's at. And then prospect versus prospect. Obviously Spencer. I saw him a couple times here at the Armory. You know, he showed a lot of explosiveness and and hand speed and all that right away, then kind of went through like a mediocre, trying to kind of stuck in between styles of not trying to just go for one punch. He still pot shots, he counters really well, but it was kind of like he was stuck between styles a little bit, not looking as good as he had, but he now has developed more. This is like his 17th fight, yeah, 16, you know, and coming off that, uh, you know, that, that win over Salgado, where he looks, you know, the best he's looked against, like a, you know, a solid guy. It really, I like this fight for Ramos because of the style, you know. He's, they're really giving him a variety of guys as he's working his way up. What do you think about these two uh, fights? The, the Crowley and Abel Ramos, while I'm on the team of the top all-time trainers, I got to, go with something Gil Clancy always used to say. You, you don't say this about everybody, but there are certain guys, you know, you, you evaluate it on which which version of them is going to show up. I mean, that's kind of what you're alluding to with Abel Ramos, and, and that definitely applies right. to him, what Gil used to say. You know, a perfect example going back in the decades would be the late heavyweight, you know, Burt Cooper. I remember Gil Clancy saying that about him, you know, and, and, you know, we saw that with Cooper. You know, when you had, even though he was undersized for a heavy, when you had the Burt Cooper that came to fight that showed up, I mean, it didn't matter who you were. You know, he, he was he was a handful for you, and you were going to have hell in there. 
uh, that he was right. going to be able to give you. But then you had other times where he showed up and, you know, he, he just wasn't even interested in being there and he just offered up nothing. Um, Ramos has had that kind of a career. Um, you know, he's coming off a bad loss against Santa Maria where, you know, he was like that version of Cooper that, you know, just, just looked like he, you know, wasn't enthused to be there. But then some of the efforts you've mentioned, you know, fought Ugas tight, uh, came to fight at that point out of nowhere against a fresh Baranchek on the way up. Um, you know, he was one of the first guys to show just how vulnerable Baranchek was. But Baranchek wasn't shot at that point. You know, he got shot early because right. he took so many shots, including in the Ramos fight. Um, but, you know, he fell short in that one. But, you know, Hurt Baranchek was able to brawl with him the whole way. Um, you know, even though I thought it was a terrible stoppage by Jack Reese, he still, the hurt was real that he put on Perella late in the fight. And, you know, Perella, of course, was able to rebound after that and have a draw with Tony Harrison. So, um, you know, when the good Abel Ramos shows up, you know, he, he can give you a fight. He, he can be a threat to win because he's not some guy that doesn't bring power either who, who's going to be in, in the fight as a test. He brings power. And that's always different. You know, when a guy's bringing real power, um, even promoters who are trying to protect somebody, they know that. You know, they, if, if, if it's going to be a guy that's kind of a test, they don't, they don't want it to be a puncher because the puncher's always got a shot. And, you know, Ramos is a guy that can punch. So I was a, a little surprised to see how big of a favorite Crowley is. But, again, the odds makers know, and I think that's the part of they can't bank on the good Ramos showing up. You know, they don't know what's going to happen there. So, uh you know, I'm looking at it like right. a Bill Clancy analysis. If we get that Abel Ramos who really comes to bring it, and you would think with this showcase on a big pay-per-view card and him really needing a good showing or a win, you would think there's a chance of that guy showing up. So if that guy shows up, uh, it's a lot closer fight than Crowley being a, you know, a big favor, like one I saw him open up at a minus 800, I guess, on the pro boxing odds. I, I don't know what some of the other lines are. I hadn't been able to find any. Um, but to me, you know, the good Ramos showing up, that's a much closer competitive fight, and I think that's possible. And on the other hand, Crowley, why he's been able to be such a big favorite, I mean, the guy surprised me. You know, I saw him a while back, and I was just thinking this was a guy and his record built up. You know, as soon as PBC threw him in with somebody credible, he was going to get exposed. And he just to be a better fighter than I thought. And, and it's, now I'm looking at him. He's a very versatile guy. I've been saying that about him in recent fights. Very versatile guy who actually can put pressure on you, as you mentioned. You know, he, he really can legitimately fight two ways. He can put a lot of pressure on you with volume. Uh, and win a fight that way with volume, just keeping the pressure on and throwing a lot of shots. But the guy legitimately can has good hand speed and can pull back and box. And, you know, yeah. if it's a fight that chooses for him to box, I mean, he's not a guy just, like, going through the motions. I mean, he, he can outbox you. He can, he can pull back and have, you know, with his hand speed, he can just outbox you. Really, all that's lacking is power. He showed some against, Abdukakarov, he dropped him, which you mentioned. And that was the fight that got him on the scene. That was the huge upset. But that really, for him, is the aberration. You know, if you if you look at his fights, I mean, he was able to to beat up Josecito Lopez, but he, he's he's generally not a power guy. But what's to me been shocking is outside of the power, he's 
at least at this stage with who he's been fighting, he's looking like a guy that can do something of everything well. It's it's just with the la- the one lack uh, being the punching power. So uh, you know that that's proving to be a tough package. And I think I guess he, he has worked a lot out of the Mayweather gym, Chris. Isn't that correct? I think that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so. going with his. I'm, I'm going with a story off the top of my head. That's why I want to check myself. I'm not Googling or anything, and, you know, we have so many fighters we follow. You know, it seems like with Crowley, giving that credit to that, that this was a guy that had belief in himself, wanted to take it as far as he could, and Mayweather Jim, you know, ended up saying, hey, you know, we, we can work, you know, we can work with this guy. Um, and, you know, you see this vast, you know, you saw this vast improvement. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, I think that they saw something there. Um, this guy obviously wanted it, but also they saw something, worked with him, and the products we're getting now, again, outside of the power, you know, he's a legit top 10 welterweight now, transnational, you know, after some of these big wins he's come up with. And he looks to me like a guy that can do everything except for, for really bring serious power. And he's talking confidently like that now. Like, you know, he, he's starting to have that belief. Uh, even more and more, and, and he's saying, like, you know, hey, I, I want to show that, that I'm really a guy now at this point that's ready for anybody. And with PBC having all those welterweights available, of course, that's not far-fetched at all. You just got to get the call to be in one of those fights, and you're there. They, they've they got the welterweights, so, and that division's so deep, a um, lot of fights for them. So this is an important showcase for him. I think he's shown me with that versatility – and, you know, Ramos is inconsistent that he, he should be able to outbox him. I mean, we've seen him change style. So, uh, you know, I think it's what you said. You know, you wonder which way he's going to go here because if you get that lesser motivated Abel Ramos, even though he's got power, you know, Crowley could pressure him and just out outwork him and try to win the fight that way. Of course, that way he's going to be more vulnerable to getting caught. Or he's shown the capability that, if he says, hey, I know Ramos brings some power, I'm just going to assume a better version shows up, I'm going to box this guy. Um, you know, you saw Perella had him outboxed about the whole fight. Um, and I think Crowley's a little sturdier than Perella. I think Perella actually brings a little more pop. But uh, Crowley being a bit sturdier, uh, a, a bit more fluid and smooth with his boxing, I'm thinking if he chooses to go that route, he can do that the whole way at outbox Ramos. So I'm going with Crowley, but I think the good Ramos who has power, I think I'm leaning towards he's going to show up for this one because it's, it really is all on the line for him to revive his career. So I look at this as another competitive good fight, and I'm picking Crowley, but if you look at the odds the way they are right now, if somebody's in the mood for a flyer, I would say that, Ramos is is such a big underdog for a guy that brings power, and maybe the good version of him shows up with it all on the line. That right. that might be a little bit of a value play for you. But I think with Crowley's versatility, he's got two paths to win this fight. Um, and I think as long as he doesn't get caught, uh, he's going to be able to win a decision over Ramos. Yeah, and right now I'm seeing plus five fifty and. Uh, plus 600 for Ramos. And, you know, to be fair, like, Jamal James is my guy, but you could have – that could have been a draw. You could have given that fight potentially. You know what I mean? That was a close fight. Now, that was a while ago too, but it does – he 
he does have this habit of every few fights he'll just spring up and, and overperform. And, and he's getting pretty much a full camp, too. That's another thing that I like about this card is we found out about these fights so long ago, you know, for boxing standards anyway. Right. That that means they probably knew it was coming before it got announced, so they're already in camp, and then they've definitely had enough time to come in shape like that. Um, and, yeah, Valenzuela, minus 112, minus 100, like I said. Now, Spencer, I'm seeing plus 178, plus 175. Um, so, you know, the the powers that be take Spencer for real on this one. Yeah, I, exactly, uh, Chris. They have to know, and I think that the haters of Spencer – need to be realistic. If he was a fraud, um, you know, he would be a much bigger dog going against, in against somebody as good as Jesus Ramos, who, who really is already, even at his young age, cracked the legit 154 top 10. And he's not. He's an underdog, but, but he's, he's not a huge underdog. I like this fight a lot. I think if both guys perform well, uh, they're both undefeated now. If they both perform well, I think there could be still plenty of future for each of them at 154 pounds. Um, I've liked both guys a lot so far. That's what's really interesting that they're being matched up, both only 22 years old. Like I said recently on the show, Chris, I think people should take some perspective here. I mean, people are getting all hyped about Costa Zoo. Excuse me, Tim Zoo, of course, Costa's son. Um, but, you know, Tim Zoo's 28 years old. He, these guys just turned 22. Um, so, you know, look look at where they are at, at age 22. Um, I think people need to keep right. that in mind. Um, so this, to me, really, really big for both guys. Um, really, really looking forward to this fight. Uh, you know, I agree with your analysis about Joey Spencer with the styles, you know, going by Joseph Spencer now, I guess, technically. Um, you know, he started out puncher. You know, I, I thought, you know, just – you compare guys just just with the physical stature and the way he fought, and he's got some power, got some hand speed, but still could box. He reminded me of Canelo with some of the things he did. Then, like you said, he, I thought he was trying to imitate a Mayweather-esque type of style. Um, he just started trying to box and pot shot, um, you know, like you described, I think, accurately. It didn't look as good. Um, to me, he's, he's kind of kept with that, and he's kind of refined it. And I just think now, even though maybe it's not the best way necessarily for him to go, it would have seemed. I am convinced this guy's committed to boxing now. But, you know, Salgado, a, a tough operator coming off the draw with Perella, um, you know, Spencer was able to dominate him. It wasn't exciting. You know, he, he hasn't really been focused on entertaining and, it hasn't been that exciting, but it has been effective. And, and it really, you saw it against Salgado. And I don't think it's been talked about. You know, Spencer, he trained by his dad. But um, it's my understanding that, you know, for recent times, you know, he, he's gone out to California full time. And he, he is only 22, but he's got a family, a uh, young family. But he's made apparently that commitment. So uh, he, he did take that additional step. And, you know, he, he's stepping up the opposition. So, all signs of seriousness there. And, and he's made that move to California. You know, he's not in Michigan full time anymore. You know, a lot of people were saying that was holding him back. You know, he was in Michigan full time with his father. 
but he's been training in California, is my understanding. And uh, you know, it look, looks to me it's it's not as exciting, but but he's proven now really he can box and shut people down. He's kind of stayed with that. But I think what you got to remember with him too is, I, I think in his case it's not because he can't punch. The power's there, and I think that's kind of that hidden thing. Um, you know, a lot of people speaking of Mayweather, of course, Spencer's not Mayweather, but you, you just get these ideas are good for illustration. Like they were talking when people were fighting Floyd Mayweather even later in his career when he was boxing even more and picking his spots more that, you know, he, he could hurt you with the right hand and people weren't acknowledging that enough. You know, that's why they weren't rushing in all the time because, you know, if, if he wanted to let go a right hand on you, he could hurt you with it. So, so, you know, he had the boxing skill and you just couldn't rush in. You know, I'm, I'm thinking that's kind of the case of Spencer's become a better boxer is that, you know, he's got these guys shut down and you're, you're, you're kind of looking at it and you're thinking, oh, well, you know, how are they just getting outboxed this easily by Spencer? But, you know, you can't go rushing in because the guy can hurt you. So I think that's what's going to help him in with this, this Ramos fight is that, you know, Jesus Ramos has proven to be real good. Um, and this is going to happen, but still it's something that plays into my analysis for this fight when he has faced some better boxers as he stepped up, guys that box like Molina, um, who had an amateur pedigree, you know, he, he's still a very young guy, of course, but he hasn't looked quite as sharp. You know, I, I hadn't seen the, the powerful explosiveness I saw against when he's fighting some guys who just couldn't box. So that's something I'm looking at for this one, where even though Spencer's shorter uh, Spencer's really been focused on this boxing. I don't think he's going to change. It's not as exciting, but I think he's going to be able to box Ramos, you know, even, even though he's a little bit shorter. Uh, and you can't rush in on him because he's got the power. I mean, I think Spencer hits hard enough to hurt Ramos. Now, I think Ramos could hurt Spencer as well. I think he does punch hard enough. But um, I, Spencer's actually convinced me that, you know, he just has stuck with this idea that he wants to be a good defensive boxer and I think it's kind of taken he's young enough where it's taken and he's still got the power um he's still an underdog here but not a huge underdog but um I think he's going to be able to spring the upset I I think he's gonna I think he's going to be able to neutralize Ramos a bit and just slow down Ramos's volume a little bit he's going to have to be able to do that or he'll lose a decision or or maybe be in danger of getting him stopped himself if he doesn't shut that down a little bit but I think he's boxing well enough now uh now Salgado's not a high volume guy you got to keep that in mind Ramos will be bringing a higher volume but Spencer he's able to box he's got enough power that they have to respect it they can't rush in on him uh when he is boxing and you know the defense has been sound now and, and he just seems to be in enough of a rhythm there that I think he's going to be able to uh, pull out pull out a decision here, uh, just because I think he's going to be able to carry this boxing over, and he's got the power that Ramos is going to have to be a little bit cautious, and I think he's probably going to be able to control the fight just enough that I think he's going to be able to come out with a victory. Um, I do think Spencer's a guy that could fight in a different style. You know, if he wanted to fight more of a come forward, not even reckless, but just I, I think. I still think he should, 
but I, I'm, I've reached a point where I just don't think he's going to do it. So I think he would be even more effective that way because he would get more out of his power. And, you know, you've heard even some of the commentators mention that in his fights, but the commentators also have said recently, and I do agree with it, uh, you know, the PBC guys uh, that, uh, you know, he have been even on a lot of Fox fights, you know, Lennox Lewis, Goosen, and uh, those guys. But, you know, he is just outboxing these guys, though, now. So um, I think that – I think it's going to be just enough. I think Spencer does pull the upset here. I uh, like both guys. I think that this is one that if both guys perform well, they could stay viable. You know, of course, if one guy dominates and one guy performs poorly, even though both undefeated, we know how boxing can go, even though they're both undefeated in 22. I think it could be a big setback. Uh, but I think there is a, a path here for both guys to perform well. And, and I have liked Ramos, Jesus Ramos, a lot going up to this point. So this is by no means a certainty. They both got talent. But I think Spencer seems to have this game together, this, this boxing with some power available to him game together. And I think it's just going to be enough for him to pull out a win. Yeah, and he can score enough points, he can pot shot, and he can, like, counter. It's not just pot shot move. He can literally counter. And it does kind of feel like he's on the up. And not that Ramos is on the down. It just he's come back down the earth the last few fights. Would you agree with that? Where a handful of yeah. fights ago, it was like, wow, this dude, I still think he's a workman guy. He's going to wear you down. He, you know, he's behind his jab. He shows a lot of great things. And this is why I like this fight so much because, you know, we have kind of commented that Ramos has come down slightly. So that that's why it just lines up really well. man. Yeah, exactly. That's what, that's what it does. And I, and I think it was when he was facing guys that could just box a little bit better, it did seem to slow him up because I didn't think he was going to get up slowed up as much as he, he had. He clearly won those fights and dominated, but I, I'm with you. It, it just from where you thought he was, it came down to earth, as you put it, a little bit. And I think it was because it was guys who could box him a little bit. So I think that's the route Spencer's been taking. He's going to take that route. But like you said, he does pot shot. Um, I'd rather have him do some combinations. That's where I'd like to see him. Uh, he, he looks stature like Canelo and, and some of that pop, but Canelo will throw those combinations. While well, he's his younger self, he has been starting to slow up into a little bit more of a one punch in recent fights. But, you know, I think we probably can start to say a prime Canelo because he might be just a little bit past the prime. I'm going to agree with everybody else on that. You know, that that's what first caught my eye about Canelo was the combinations. As you correctly pointed out, Spencer seems like he could do that, but he, he likes to do that pot shotting and, and boxing, and, and I'm like I said, I've just now reached a point with him. I think it's the way he's going to go. But unlike some right. guys who do that, I just say I'm writing him off because they're not going to do what they need to do to win. He's actually gotten so good at it that it's pretty darn effective. And and now I'm taking into account that he can win fights that way. And I think this is going to be one where style wise, and, and I was saying that with Sal, Salgado. I remember Chris, I was saying that before that fight right. that. It was a fight where the fight that Spencer needed to fight to win probably, or, you know, give himself the best chance of winning probably wasn't the most exciting fight. And I didn't know if he was right. going to do yep. that. Yep. That's what he did. <laughs> and that's, mm-hmm. I think this is another one of those. Like, you know, I, I don't think it'd be impossible even for Joey Spencer if he moved forward and let his hands go more to win the fight that way. But I don't think he's going to do it. And I don't think that's his best chance. I think that's Ramos's best chance. And, 
and I think like he did against Salgado, he'll he'll see that, and I think he's gonna he's gonna box Ramos, and I think that that probably is gonna work for him here to pull the upset. All righty, any any other items that you wanna you know discuss or anything? Any other fights you're looking forward to, or um, you know, I know it's getting a little late on the the East Coast. Yeah, this one, that's it. And I check, have a lot going on, so uh, glad we were able to uh, talk tonight. I had to come on a little bit late. But, yeah, I think yeah. this one, you know, I've been hyping it ever since they added that undercard. I think it is kind of fitting to sign it off. That This this is one week that I know there's other fights too, but and, and right. even where you don't have to pay. But, but I'm with the general fan. Look, I don't want to have to pay either, but this to me is the card. This is what I'm focused on this week. It's what I've been focused on. Like you said, these – got signed a little farther out, which is good. We knew we were getting these four fights. This reminds me of an old bite of boxing. Uh, and for younger fans who get sick of older fans sometimes saying, oh, it used to be this way, and we used to get this. Yeah, this may not be exactly what the older days were like that, that some of the old-timers, the OGs, like to harp about, but this is like that. So um, I think this is a good one for everybody to get on board and enjoy because – I'm really looking forward to it because I like how I've, we've got this night of the, the main card of action is just going to be all good matchups, and you can just sit in, buckle down, and just get a full night of action. So I'm really just focused on, you know, I'm paying attention to the other fights, but, but this is the card I've been focused in on a while, and this is definitely the one I'm focused in on the weekend for this weekend. And when the year's done, even though we're just into March, we've just started spring, this could still end up being the card of the year as we get to looking back uh, and we're talking about end-of-the-year awards. That's right. Yeah, I, I agree. And there is two somewhat interesting – there's an interesting pro- Cuban prospect that opens the YouTube. There's two fights on YouTube, kind of an interesting fight um, there too. So definitely keep an eye out for that, everyone. Right, thanks a lot, John. You take it easy. Enjoy the fights. All right, Chris, enjoy this weekend. It should be a good one. Oh, yeah. Talk to you next week. All right, talk to you next week. There you have it. Um, so, shots out to uh, Josue Portland 503. He's got his man, De- uh, David Benavides, by stoppage. Um, you know, Lawrence Acoli and David Light, Sky Sports of the UK, Pro Box TV. I think Akoli will win. I think he's a clean favorite. But it's a good fight. I think it'll be a good fight. Excuse me. Um, a lot of the other fights, like uh, Jose Ramirez and, and Richard Comey, could could turn out to be a fun fight as far as, like, a spirited fight in the ring. Um Estrada's on the undercard. She should win as well. But I don't really see too many upsets with the other cards. That one's on ESPN on Saturday night. Uh, obviously, the Lawrence Acoli's during the day on Pro Box TV, um, which now you can – it's not just the app. You have to go to the website. You can get it, you know, on Apple TV and Roku and the other that I mentioned. But the Thursday night, taking out a flyer, right, on Carlos Gongora. You don't want to – that's a good fight. I think that's the other good fight as far as I'm like, well, that's interesting. I'm seeing him as like a plus 180 I saw him earlier. Um, I'm on DraftKings right now, and he's a plus 200. Um, Christian um, 
Embilia, I think it is Embilia, Embilia, Gongora. I like that fight. I think that's an interesting fight. And I'm going to just ever so slightly, I don't know. I think it's a pick em fight. I, I think it's, well, it's not a pick em fight, but it is closer, in my opinion, um, than, and I'm even seeing plus 230. So I think it's worth a flyer on Gongora. Um, I think it's going to be a good fight. Thursday night. Thursday night on ESPN Plus. Trying to find some other odds out there. Plus 200 plus, I think plus 180 was like the lowest. So if you like Angora, you know, plus 230, you, know, you may want to take a flyer out on that one. I think that's going to be an interesting fight. It's a quality fight in my mind. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with Ramos, but I think it's going to be by like majority decision. I'm Really looking forward to see Ramos in that style against Joey Spencer, who does pack a punch. He, he does have some pop to him. Um, and then that's about it um, as far as breaking down fights. Uh, Frazier Clark and Dinu, that could be kind of interesting. Um as far as on that uh, on that, that Sky Sports slash Pro Box here from Manchester Acoli. Um So, yeah, um, we only got a little time. We'll finish on some boxing Twitter. Oh, I'm getting hit up on uh, – <laughs> well, Broner and Don King are in bed together. Pause. So, hey, I mean, that that is, uh, you know, a match made in heaven. But I'm getting a lot of stuff here, so I'm going to go over it. I got, I guess him and Ryan Garcia and LRB and Ryan Garcia and, and Tank were going at it. Garcia came up with this. He, I think he was just saying like a figure of speech that he's saying something that was in the contract that's just not in the contract. It's completely bullshit. But I think he's just having fun with it or describing it a certain way. By the way. Um, according to Usyk's manager, Igas Klimas has now declared uh, that it's not happening between him and Fury uh, on April 29th. No matter how much uh, Usyk compromised, uh, he was pushed for more. Um, no matter how much Usyk compromised, okay, he was pushed to do more. He added that they hope that Usyk uh, will return the mandatory defense in June or July. So it doesn't look like that fight's going to happen. Maybe we'll get some. But here's Ryan Garcia was just, see, like I said, just like I said last week, I used what he said on two different, three different shows. One, or not on a show, one was uh, in an interview after the press conference where he said, I don't put a lot of weight on, I'm good to go. And he said that he's already like six or seven pounds you know, he's not that far away. He actually showed a scale where he weighed 146, where that's the next day weigh-in. Um, so he, he's been saying, I'm good. I don't put a lot of weight on, blah, 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 blah. But then also now he, say, he said this crazy shit on Rap House TV. He said that they, made, they put a stipulation in his contract that he can only drink water and eat for three days out of the week, which is just fucking – it's completely bullshit or cap how, how a lot of people 
you know, the kids would say it. But then he was also posting a photo, which I thought was pretty funny, called him a, a muffin, like a muffin top, a Garcia. But he's the one that said, hey, he's going to have more weight issues than me. You know, so he's, he's, he's selling the fight, guys. He's selling the fight. And it's funny because he said, you know, I weigh 145 right now, so I'm in good shape. Gervonta did too. But so they're both close to weight being a month out. Um, but, you know, a lot of people are taking what he said to be like, that's in the contract. And that's completely nonsense. Okay, that's completely nonsense. It's, I think he was like it was a figure of speech. But um, this is what LRB said, just so people, you know, he said to Ryan Garcia, bro, stop with all the lies about weight drain, rehydration that Tank made. For starters, this was an agreement between his manager and your manager, and you agreed to everything I sent to Golden Boy. Tank hasn't requested any of this, and, you know, blah, blah, he's going to beat your ass, right? Um, And Ryan Garcia came back and said, um, man, LRB, out of all people, I wouldn't expect for you to not sense my sarcasm. Truth is, y'all didn't want the fight. Um, yeah, I made jokes kind of running off the stipulations, but y'all weak and the whole world knows I'm dropping your guy. That's it. And so that he's admitting he's just, he's having fun with it. He's selling the damn fight. Um, he said, I'm gonna clear the air. Yes, there was a lot of stipulations regarding the fight that I agreed to because I'm hunting him down. He wasn't going to take the fight unless the weight I'm going to make easy. It was a joke on the podcast. People couldn't sense it, so they're mad. I've already won. It was a, he was just fucking around. You know what I mean? Um, and then, you know, said, you, you, sound, you sound so competent per person, but on the Internet, uh, in contract, it screams cowardness, point blank, blah, 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 blah. So he's selling the fight. Let Ryan Garcia the, sell the fight, but just, just calm down a little bit because, like he said, he can make the weight, you know? And he said – and Gervonta is saying back to him, he should have he should have made 135. If he would have went 135 and not asked for the catch weight, I would have gave it to him. You know, you should have you said 35, which he did, and, and that was your own fault. So you, you agreed to 136. I wanted 135. You're already at 146 because he did put out a scale. So, like I said, Ryan Garcia selling. That's what he's doing, okay? I think it's smart. I don't have a problem with it. Um, so, yeah, let's finish on some goofy shit. Um, this was the perfect time to promote the fight. They're talking about no commercials during, uh, during the, um, you know, during the, the, the final four. I don't know if it's in the budget or not. It's not that easy, uh, but I'm not, I'm not sure about all that. But, you know, we keep hearing this. This was the perfect time to promote it. This fight is not selling well. I'm seeing this. It's not selling well. It's like, compared to what, dude? Uh, here's another one after that Spence tweet. He said, you're a horrible coward to Spence, a paper champ. If you ever came to the U.K. and fought one of our champions, past or present, they would batter your face in. And it's like, well, he did that with Kell Brook. Beating a British champ is easy. I could do that, but I meant a world champ. He wouldn't stand a chance. And it's like, dog, that's exactly what he did. And then this same dude said he stalled out 
Thurman with a fake car crash. The Crawford fight's coming up next. It's like, dog, that's the harder fight. <laughs> like, what do you mean? You're actually giving them credit. I don't know. Some of these guys are just freaking hilarious. And that was with Spence saying, hey, you know, I've been inactive. I'm not apologizing for it. In a few weeks, you'll know why I haven't been inactive, or I've been inactive. Anyway, enjoy the fights. Um, like I said, I think it's pretty much chalk with the other stuff, except that Thursday night fight. I think there's a good chance at an upset. Enjoy the fights. We'll be back next Wednesday. Peace out. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now, when, as you fight, let's say you fight for five years of straight survival, the bullshit, the whole bag, and when you become a world champion, you're like, you know what, that made it. I'm going to show you it's this. So I'm going to get any, every dollar worth uh, of, of, of what I deserve. Why? Because I'm the world champion.